A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. for you today I have special guest Brian Slack and Nick Sackett on the show um, two highly successful NFBC players really awesome minds into the fantasy sphere they have teams on the solo they but they partner up for a lot of teams so they talk about the dynamics of playing together um, and just give some insight into their process and a lot of history of the fantasy game um, so pretty cool great great episode um it was a majestic night where we recorded for several several hours and um but it was it was fantastic so um hope everyone gets um something insightful out of this episode enjoy all righty folks welcome back to the pull hitter podcast this is rob DiPietro, the dead pull hitter i'm here with two special guests tonight mr brian slack mr nick sackett how are you guys doing tonight Oh, amazing. Amazing, Rob. Thanks so much for having us. Rob, sure. thanks for having us. Uh, I just got to say, uh, the only reason I came on this show is because you are a part of the vegan mafia, and I'm not going to dwell on that so as not to alienate all of your listeners, but uh, appreciate <laughs> Amen. Amen to that. Save the animals, baby. Save the animals. <laughs> Euthanize the humans. No, I'm just joking. Um, <clears throat> so what's going on, guys? Uh, thank you for joining me. Obviously, you know, we have some precious time, um, but we're going to take care of it tonight. We're going to give the listeners a full-fledged epic show. Um, you guys want to give a little back, a little background of uh, how you started playing NFC and how you guys became dynamic duo in the fantasy arena. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We um, started working together about... 12 years ago. And um, it was a CDM competition. I think he had the idea or something like that kind of came to me with it. And I had done a lot of uh, like an AL only home league since like the mid nineties. So I was kind of, uh, you know, had my fantasy baseball uh, chops, I guess. And so he came to me and we just kind of partnered up on the team and then uh, kind of slowly, but surely transitioned to what we have now. A lot of NFBC, uh, almost exclusively NFBC stuff and yeah, rocking and rolling. Yeah, I played uh, played some home leagues up until that time. Just was generally a, a pretty big baseball fan. Uh, and yeah, we started working together. Uh, all, all we really had in common was baseball. That's it. Uh, that, that was, <laughs> right. And That's even like, that, even that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> opposite personalities. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. All right, we're going to connect on this baseball, but uh, it snowballed. And uh, <clears throat> I think in that CDM year, I gave him the hot tip to to buy Zach Granke, uh, even though Granke was having a horrendous spring. 
but I had listened to some, you know, I was listening to most games, even spring training games. And I was, I heard that Granky was working on his pitches and wasn't really worried about results. And I said, no, 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 ignore this, like take them. Uh, and he won, I think it was his first five uh, outings, got a win. And uh, I bought a little bit of uh, equity there with Slack in the early going and uh, been writing that ever since. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. One, one good awesome. call, one really, one really good call in 12 years. And uh, he brings it up every time he's trying to get a fab bid going his way. So remember Grinky, remember Grinky. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, listen, you got to play the card, man. You make a golden call. I mean, you got to whip it out. That's it. Simple as that. There's no expiration date. Got a on lot it. of mileage. Yeah, yeah. It's got a lot. It's got a lot of mileage. <laughs> oh man, that's golden. Now, I mean, that cranky. See, and and you know, you hit on something too, like listening to the radio. I think that's like even sometimes just catching a game or like a spring training game, especially. You there were so many really good nuggets. Um, like if you were paying attention, there's always something good to catch. You know, about a player working on something. I like when they do the player interviews and the um got to hear a lot of stuff like that where it's good tips it's good tips but um yeah it, it's a double-edged sword you know you got to be careful you know you obviously we always talk about and joke about like the best uh you know you know who's in the best shape of their life type stuff um but yeah you can definitely get the nuggets that uh can pay dividends okay i just want to hear a guy say yeah i just i feel terrible right now <laughs> that would be me that would be me if i was in spring training like my body i got some kind of hip pain i'm dealing with it's not pretty but uh but, rob I'll, I'll tell you like so we started doing nfbc we were i think we were pretty bad i mean slack was a really good player from his home league days uh and i was bd i was winning some home leagues but they were just like with people who didn't care about it right so like doesn't even count but uh then and slack i don't you got to remind me of the timeline but I played RT sports Hmm. and I went and just played like by myself. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was the year where there was only 90 overall players, but somehow miraculously I won the overall Hmm. and uh, RT sports. I think this was when RT sports was really trying to like make a name for themselves. So they were like, Hey, you won the overall, like we're going to come to your house with a novelty check like one of these giant checks and take a picture of you and uh you know we're gonna put it on our website so i have this picture i have this novelty check and i'm like say slack check out this novelty check guys <laughs> <laughs> and slack is so damn competitive he's oh, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. all right this all right, guy, all right this, this guy, guy <laughs> shows up with a picture of his novelty check with a dog on there like, i mean you're showing me mm-hmm. yeah i mean if, if it's I mean, if there's anything that translates into holding the hammer, you know, I mean, it's uh, got the fucking check, get the big check. Yeah. That's yeah, it. What are you going to tell me now? <laughs> yeah. End of discussion. That's it. I get the last call on everybody. <laughs> I think I have that picture. I will drop it in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> I did negotiate to have my dog in the picture with me. I found it on the internet. I think I found it on the internet or something. I don't know how it was. Yeah, it's it's still hard it. With Pato dog oh man so tell me some of you guys favorite like fantasy moments like um anything that really stuck out like a, a close league that came down to the end or um a player that you really hit on like that was kind of like um you know under the radar or something what what um what's your favorite fantasy moment and what's your favorite baseball moment too like um you know what really drew you to the game 
So for me, the fantasy moment, I think is pretty clear because I can, I can look back and just like remember just the pure joy that kind of coursed through my veins when uh, Ryan Brazier got a save in 2019. Nick, do you remember this? I'm sure you better remember this. Uh, basically, Matt Barnes came out the first, um, the first, the first save. Right? We're like, we weren't sure who was going to be the guy. Matt Barnes comes out, gets the first save. I'm dejected, and then the the early the next week, <laughs> Ryan Brazier, Ryan Brazier comes out, gets the save, and um, that was yeah, it's pretty much my best moment in in my fantasy baseball career. He then I think he got the next six saves. I think he got six more saves, and then it was uh, steadily down. <laughs> Like, yeah, just crumble. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my fa- favorite fantasy moment. Uh, yeah, it was definitely the, uh, the, there was a playing game a couple years ago. We had a main event team uh, that vying for, it was in the top 10 overall and vying for the league and uh, the playing game. And we had, I want to say David Dahl. Was it David Dahl? Mm, it was David Dahl. Yeah. Good memory. Surprising. David Dahl hit like a two run homer and it got us, I, I think like either in the lead or tied for the lead in the league. Uh, and we were ecstatic. Uh, of course this was like in the fall and we, Slack and I had gone to a bar to watch it and everyone else was watching football. Mm. And like, we are ecstatic over this David Dahl home run. People can care less about the David. Everyone's Dahl looking. Run. Everyone's looking at us like we're crazy. <laughs> but literally, like the next inning, the net, like the the next half inning, uh-huh. uh, Max Muncy comes up and hits a three-run bomb. At who our opponent had? Do you remember who our <sighs> opponent was? I cannot remember his name. No, but like totally breaks our hearts. Uh-huh. I think it was Libros. I think it was Libros. I think it was Libros. Uh, <clears throat> and a little bit. Yeah, Bradley Libros. And this a little bit of backstory is we had a team it where we were like in the top five overall, right? And I think that bumped us in the I think we were, yeah, fifth overall on the play in day. Then that bumps us up to fourth with that doll home run, but then we lose the league title uh with the Muncie home run. So kind of a, a double-edged flip-flop there. So you came where'd you end up in the overall? Someone ended up ahead of you was in the same league. Uh, he ended up behind us. Oh, uh, yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. yeah. Wow. He was like probably top 10, but like ninth, or probably. So, yeah. Like that. That's crazy. Bradley Libros. It's yeah. a rough, it was a rough year with him battling. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah. he's, he's in one of my mains this year. Sharp, make sharp moves. Yeah. Very good player. Yep. Um, Favorite baseball moment, though. Favorite baseball moment. I'm not like a, uh, don't have like a real like favorite team so much as like the except the A's basically because I, I uh, grew up in Dallas and um, everybody I was with in my home league kind of always overbid on the Rangers mm-hmm. so um, I found myself gravitating towards the Mark Mulders and um, Barry Zito my favorite player uh, and so I had like all these A's and um, but I don't want to have a favorite team so much I watch a lot of the Dodgers now but it was the 2019 nationals i might have had a little bit of money on the series but uh the how, how much money <laughs> <laughs> and so, what uh, were the odds, what were the odds? you know the odds what were the odds 66 to 1 66 to 1 so the nationals had started out rob uh like seven games under 500 on like june 1st 60 to 1 odds to win the world series on june 1st 
Um, so those were the odds that were had. And uh, lots so of the money was on the series. And then Howie Kendrick hits a two run shot. I think it was like Will Harris. Right. But I just remember like just completely just jumping around the living room. Uh, um, I, my, my wife was excited. And uh, that was I was just couldn't even speak. I was happy. So that was my favorite favorite baseball moment. You know, like that's I haven't, didn't have a, haven't been to a, like a lot of games. Uh, so that was probably it. Yeah, uh, my favorite baseball moment <clears throat> has to be the 2012 Oakland A's game 162. Um, but leading up to that game 161, I was living in Los Angeles. I was at Scott Jenstead's house. What up, Scott? Uh, <laughs> up to Scott. O- OG Athletics Nation uh, squad. That's how, actually how I know Scott. I, d- I knew him and his wife, Christy, through Athletics Nation pre-fantasy baseball. And so I was over at their house watching it, watching game 162, I'm sorry, 161 with a whole bunch of other Athletics Nation nerds. Uh, and it was just like a blast. And they're just like kids, you know, like I'm like 35 years old. There's like a 19 year old kid. There's like a 24 year old kid. And we're just like this ragtag group of internet friends. <laughs> <laughs> watching the game going bananas uh the a's win the game me the 19 year old and the uh, 22 year old <laughs> decide we're driving up to oakland for game 162 the next day we did uh that was the game if y'all remember that um the a's were behind early and then uh, making a rally with two outs uh there's a pop-up to the outfield can of corn josh hamilton i just- remember this Biffs it, uh-huh. and we score two runs to uh, I believe that was the tie, or take the lead. But the Oakland Coliseum goes absolutely bananas. I'm basically crowd surfing because I'm so hyped. I, I jump up in the air and like fall on top of the people in front of me. Nobody cares. Everyone is just pure, you know, pure elation, just pandemonium. Uh, so that's my favorite baseball moment. Yeah. <laughs> was I, was I there for that? But not, not no, back. No, you were not there for 162, but then we were at game five, uh, against, uh, Detroit in the series. And that's where you saw me cry as a grown man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> wept together. Yeah. Wept. Yeah. You said can of corn, Nick. Do you know what that means? Like, just, you know where I came from? No. So throwing a can of corn. Nice and easy. <laughs> yeah. Like where the, where the term came from. So no, like, no. yeah. So it, apparently, it comes from like when you open up your pantry and like um, knock, like use something to knock it down, like a can that's too high, and then you catch it, and it's like yes. a can of corn. So I, <laughs> I read that, and my wife goes, "That's not easy." I was like, "Why is it? Like, what does it mean in baseball?" I'm like, "It usually means an easy catch." She's like, "That's not an easy move." I'm like, <laughs> "It's interesting," but. Uh, I just throw that in there, but um, it's it's crazy. Fa- like fantasy moments. Um, like I ha- obviously winning the overall. Like I was completely numb. Like when the moment happened, it was so odd because like I couldn't move. Um, you know, it's just like a wild moment. Um, but um, I have like I have like memories of uh my first roto league I ever played in by myself. Um. And the league had a second half award 
and um for like the biggest improvement you know like kept people active kept people playing um and i won that i won that and i was like it was pretty cool like coming from like head to head like you know um league with with, uh categories with um my keeper league it was totally different so just sitting down and like trying to do the math trying to figure out where you can move up and then like doing it i was like oh this is so cool and i just remember it was that it was really that moment that like really drew me in like mm. this is this is great this is another great way to play you know fantasy it's always good when you see the lane you make the moves to take the lane and then and then your plan comes to fruition right? there's no there's nothing sweeter than that Hundred percent. It's so true, man. So true. Just uh, I don't know. That that drew me in for sure. The most, like, that's why that moment like stand out to me. Um, but I used to go back to like 1994. Me and my brother would play. We we would pick guys at the end of the season. Like we didn't. We just like pick staff at the end of the year, and it's like you know we had like a salary cap to pick a guy but they had like stats already you know i was i was just picking all my favorite players um which was like raul mondesi uh mm. he, he was a stud mm. Mm. He, he's like he's like one of my favorite players because um we used to get tickets to met games when i was younger um right in the front row and um the dodgers we went to a lot of dodger games and he he was throwing rifles from the right field corner to where the front row seats were like in between the dugout and the tarp and it was like so like past third base and he would throw it like on a fly flat footed um and then he would start throwing peas when i would like look at it like it came like it looked like it could hurt you if it just got overthrown you know he threw missiles and he signed so much like he signed a lot he signed like every time we were at the game so well modesty was always one of my favorite players just for that just for that like seeing him and as a as a rookie you know him piazza was uh it was pretty solid, but uh, oh, Mondesi, but uh, and yet, and, yeah, and yet here you are not drafting one share of his his prodigy. Yeah. His prodigy. Oh man, yeah, prodigy, prodigy, prodigy. prodigy. Yeah. yeah, what's up he's with that? A, he's a stud, though. I I kind of love his skills. He just you know, got not can't stay healthy, which sucks, you know. But uh, no, I got it. No, nor can he take a walk, but I gotta know, do, yeah, it. yeah, I gotta do his pop up proud and uh, and grab a few shares when he comes back. Um, yeah. so t- talk to me, guys, about uh, the uh, the dynamics playing together, the slack sacket dynamics, or just the slack it dynamics. Tell me how you guys mix together. What you know, what's the secret formula? I, I can't, I can't wait to hear this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's a good thing. No, I can hear it though. I can hear it now. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. (laughs) I called him up because I called him up like before the the pod, you know, the podcast is like, Hey, let's, let's, you know, we talk some gameplay and stuff. Right. And he's like, let's, let's let it happen spontaneously. And I was like, it's going to be a hit job. I was like, it's going to be 12, you know, 12 years of dirty laundry flying all over this podcast. So (laughs) So basically Rob, I can't uh, wait to hear it. Why, why we work, um, you know, there's like, First of all, we don't do like a okay. You got this pick, you know. I got the next pick, and you know that that's just I. We think that's a recipe for disaster. You know, it's just a, a flow. You know, you work together enough to kind of feel like all right. I'm I'm feeling strongly 
on this player or this move or this pickup or this draft pick, whatever the case may be. And the other, you know, has a, has a good sense of like, all right, this is where uh, I'll give, even if I disagree a little bit or like, no, 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 no. Like, you know, very, very few times do we like, does it, do we feel like it's just like an immovable force versus, or whatever, what is it? Immovable uh, object or an unstoppable force? Unstoppable right? force. <laughs> yeah. Like rarely does that happen. I, I can't even remember. I can't, I can't remember in one either. Yeah. 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 I think maybe uh, KDS this year. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, no, it's just, it's just a flow. It's the energy flow that you kind of like get to know each other over the years. And, uh, and also like, I, I think we just enjoy each other's company, um, which makes it easy as well. What do you think, Slav? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think a lot of it is, a, it stems from a lack of, of ego on both sides. Right. Like I've never been like, like that kind of that same need to like, if there was a decision that kind of maybe Nick was maybe pushing for a little bit more the week before, like there's never any part of this, like wanting my decision to be right, you know, uh, just to, to be right or to, to then try to push on that, this, you know, my decision the next week. Uh, so like, I think that, that kind of the, the absence of, of ego there is something that, uh, has, has been there from the beginning. Yeah. But, uh, Sorry, yeah. sorry, Sly, but like what you just yeah. said was like, there's no uh, tally of like, mm. you know, oh, you were wrong last week. So like, you just got to listen to me this week. You know what I mean? Like we, we just go into every week with a clean slate and like, what's, what do we need to do? And, and, and on that, on that, I've actually evolved. I've, I've evolved into a way to where like, I just like it, cause it's impossible not to like acknowledge in your head, like when it's happening, you know, um, but to be able to just kind of like recognize those as, as thoughts and, and not uh, kind of really take them and, and have an emotional tie to them, you know, I think that uh, might be a little new agey, but yeah, that's a uh, part of it. You know, I'll give, I'll give you an example, Rob. Uh, recently Slack made us drop David Peralta and then uh, he, he went on. Here to- we go again with David Peralta. Here we go. Here we go, Rob. This was waiting for <laughs> two minutes. This fucking guy. He knew this was coming. Uh, he went on to hit three homers the, the, that week. Oh. Yeah, two, two in Chicago with the wind. Continue. <laughs> yeah, he, Neither were barrels. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 but no, no, no. We're fine. We're fine. Keep going. This is this is. What's it about the home run percentage? Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But point is is I held no grudges the following Sunday. No grudges. Like, you just move on. Like, you just, like, that's how it is. Like, you know, we made the move. Like, if I felt strongly enough not to drop David Peralta, then I should have been stronger on it and been like, no, we're, we really should not be dropping David Peralta. But, like, there was, a, there was a path to drop David Peralta and our team needs, you know, required it. So that's the way we, we went. And, like, fuck, he hit three homers. Like, what are you going to do? Not get those stats. That's one way. <laughs> <Not get those. laughs> no, I think I learned a lot last year. Like um, I did a tag team league with Jenny Butler and um, I never really had to be accountable for my picks before, you know, with playing with someone else. And so um, just really pulling back and making me realize like how often, you know, we're wrong on in fab or just a decision, you know, start set. And like when you, it was, it was cool. It was a cool moment when I, I was like, ah, oh, you know what? Like, I'm going to make a lot of mistakes and 
you know, just have to be able to just meet in the middle and, and like just work perfectly. And Denny's like really awesome. She like does a lot of process the same way. And um, just, yeah, we, we never, we only had one thing. It was like, uh, I think during the draft, we even like, we um, zoomed night before we got like a strategy down. We did like our first like 10, 12 rounds and then we get into the draft and it went smooth. Like we had a little, you know, we had a great flow and then it came down to like Lorenzo. I wanted um, Victor Reyes. She wanted, Lorenzo Kane, you know, and it's like the one, like the first moment where it was just like, I gotta say something right now. And then uh she's like we're making such a good argument for Kane too. I was like, ah, you know what? Like which way do you guys yeah. go? Which way do you guys go? We went Kane. We went Kane. I they both didn't do well. Kane definitely, I think, was better at certain points. You know, it just it just depends when you started him, but he was he got hurt, you know, obviously, and then he just too much to keep around if he's only playing one, two days a week. But yeah, but it was like just, you know, a quick, quick moment where uh, I was like, ah, man, this is the first, you know, moment, the first opposition. But it goes smooth, you know. There was some times where um, she w- wanted to get to her main event team and she's like, do you mind just doing more of the, of the free agent? I was like, cool. There was some times where I was at the beach and she's like, I, I can do it if you're, if you're not free or whatever. And it's good, you know, you get to like – still look you know still be involved still look at it but if if someone is you know has the time to do it or like more or less you can you know work with that and um it's good it ended up working out well um and uh probably just knowing how easy she is to play with like in the in that and and get along with it's probably like probably have to play with her like as a teammate again like you know but uh it's good i like that experience for sure for sure. I met Jenny in Vegas uh, this year. Hi, Jenny. Hi, Jenny. Jenny. Jenny from the <laughs> block. Um, but no. Um, I, think, I, think, I, think, I think I think one of the things, too, like, I mean, I, um, you know, Nick and I have the benefit of just, like, being able to bounce ideas off each other, you know, or just, just having, like, somebody to share the, ex- the experience with. But, like, I don't think either one of us would do it uh, if, like, we didn't think that, like, we were both better as a team because mm. he does his own dcs i do right, my own right. thing like it, i honestly firmly believe that like i mean we have you know different styles for sure i'm much more uh i don't know, I don't know the word spreadsheet diligent uh neurotic whatever the word is you know and he's a little bit more a little bit more gut feel i think you know and, and um does his own process but i think that those two things kind of when they you know mesh together meld together that uh i feel like that gets us that farther yeah yeah i mean we we have different like approaches like uh i'm i tend to lean towards contact hitters uh control pitchers slack tends to lean a little bit more you know speed power mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. strike out there um you know uh strike out on the pitcher side even if they're a little bit wild and so like you know we're always like uh i'm always like oh, he's yeah you can strike out 10 guys but he's also going to walk six and, you know, get blown up. And, you know, so there's always that like push and pull, but I think it works well. Good. Especially that you have, you know, maybe areas where you feel like you're one um, that you have a weakness in and, you know, the other person maybe, you know, projects it well. So it, it could work in tandem you know, and that's when you could really, yeah. Two minds are always better than one. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's, yeah. I mean, I, I will- the wisdom it of the crowd. The What's that? <laughs> Do what? Say again. 
Uh, it just, there is one thing about being a partnership is that the time, like, you know, in order to bounce ideas off each other, like it just takes more time than if you're just at your, you know, by yourself making the decision, like you don't have to get someone else's idea about it. So like, for sure, our Sundays uh, are crunched and shout out to Slack for uh, usually, you know, manning that ship more than I do. Does he have a war room? I picture him having a war room. No, 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 no war room. I've, I've no transitioned more to like in front of the computer. A lot of times I used to do it, uh, you know, in the stroll or, or, you know, kind of in transit and Nick would man the ones and twos. But a lot of the times it's really just like me. I have a tendency to be uh, verbal, <laughs> endlessly verbal, right? It just yapping. That's, yapping. A nice, that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very yeah, it's an artful term there. Uh, that should be one of your so- team names, endlessly verbal. <laughs> <laughs> can we title these episodes is there some kind of protocol with the uh anchor? Yeah. um but yeah so i'm just like sitting around yapping about stuff or like just to different theories and a lot of times he has a phrase <laughs> it's uh he's like make this actionable for me slack like because i'll i will have been talking for like 30 minutes and he's like can what where are we with this and uh, so i'll be like here's why i like i like this guy then this guy then this guy and then we'll kind of Put the names, put the names, because at the end of the day, you have to have names and numbers. But like for me, it's like theory about like backups and, oh, if we did have that guy, would we rather have an extra closer spec? And so a lot of it's just, uh, you know, pretty, um, pretty thorough, I guess. And yeah, so Nick you, is over in the background. Yeah. Well, while Slack's talking it through, I'm on the fab page, uh, putting names into the, you know, into the bid conditionals, you know, backups, sorting them you know, getting it ready so that when he's done talking, I can be like, okay, now look at the fab page and tell me what you think. <laughs> basically, basically, yeah. That's nice and efficient, you know? I wish I could record my thoughts, like, because my, um, I can't do things quick enough. Uh, I can't open up enough tabs to where my brain is um, going. So it was like, if I could speak it out and then, maybe I should do that. Maybe I should just speak it out and then replay it and then do it uh, as I just being replayed and might just like uh, understand it more instead of flying through things. Dude, I'm so, I'm so slow. Like I hear like some people like on you know, podcasts, right. Uh, or even like Toby, like the way he'll, he'll, he'll do it. It's just like, uh, you're like, Oh, he did this with his pitch and this was his swing in the last five. I'm like, hold on, let me get my glasses. Uh, let me open the laptop and, and figure out what's going on here. But yeah, um, there's a lot of like different tabs to kind of get through, you know? So like, it's a pretty, I mean, when you're diving into kind of these players, you know, for the first time on a Sunday, uh, it can be uh, a lot of time to Toby, check all the things you want to check. Toby had a, 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 a special skill. He, he tells such a so, beautiful story. Like, you know, when he mm-hmm, uh, when yeah. he t- t- describing like just the metrics and he just blends them into each other so well. I'm like, I can't speak like this. <laughs> you know, yeah. I sound like a meatball from New York for sure when I, I hear him and he's just like, oh man, <laughs> he makes it sound so easy. <laughs> Fucking bastard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, for I just want to say for a meatball from New York, like your learning curve since you've gotten this game has been unbelievable. Uh, and I'm like, how's this guy? How's this guy know how to play? He's only been here like two years. Like, what? Mm-hmm. And like, you're just crushing it. So whatever you're, whatever the meatballs mm. doing from New York is fucking. <laughs> They're vegan, baby. Vegan meatballs. That's what <laughs> that's it is. Right. That's right. That's right. Eggplant Same. meatballs, baby. Straight from the garden. <laughs> we don't want to lose too many listeners right now, but yes. They would love an eggplant meatball. They don't know what they're missing. You know, 
None is kitchen. <laughs> oh man. We're so have, we're gonna have our own little vegan group next next year in Vegas. <laughs> I'm gonna start up another podcast. A pohito vegan talk podcast. <laughs> oh man. So um we'll talk you mentioned the gut um a little bit ago and I wrote down to get back to it because I think that's a cool thing to I think it's a necessary tool to have when you're making decisions. We look at so many things, but things sometimes you'll pick up something on a player just by watching a game. Um, I don't know. You just there's certain ways to be drawn into a player, and uh, I think you gotta trust that um when you feel it, you know. Uh, I think um you need to have that that real human element and not just make such methodical moves off of math, you know, obviously that's the goal. You know, we have to outmath each other, but you know, sometimes it can't be that, you know? Yeah. I think, uh, I think the way the game is, is like, <clears throat> it used to be, you know, some people had the math and some people didn't just depending on like their access to websites or, you know, just like how hard they looked for it. But generally the information just wasn't out there so prolifically but now the information is out there so much and there's, you know, every, a lot of analysts, you know, breaking it down for us that at some point, you know, we all have the same math. And of course that's not true. I mean, like Phil is breaking shit down in a way that we don't know what he's doing behind the curtain over there, you know, the wizard, but nevertheless. He's got heart rate numbers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's got heart rate numbers on this guy. That that goes into this model. If they're clutch, you know, when it's three two and their heart is still, he gets the big bond to clutch metric. Sorry, Phil. I didn't mean to tell everyone your secret sauce. <laughs> uh, yeah. By the way, don't you have some secrets from Phil, like in exchange for that podcast? I know you're gonna you gotta spill that, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, no, I think that you you do. There is an element of gut to this and you know and vlad you know obviously is the poster child for the gut and you know he that's his shtick and, and i mean that in a very good way and vlad's awesome but it's true it's like the flow of player development and their skills is not just like a formula you got there's a feel to it like there's a human element to it so you know and and it's also just like the flow of the game of baseball so i think you have to fit that into your game and also to the human element like you have to understand that there's a human element to these players as well right not just making our choices but like these guys on the field you know like exactly. as much as we want to project skill we we don't know um if you know if things are good at home like the things that affect us daily like you don't know what they're going through and it affects you know there's a human element to uh that we can't model you know or yeah. maybe that's what Phil has. He has a he has a gut model. He's got something. He's yeah yeah. But uh, you know um, these guys. You know we uh, you know, we just look at numbers, numbers, numbers. But there's more to it. That's when you gotta like really realize like you're only gonna be so accurate. You know, I'm wrong a lot. Yeah, we're wrong a lot constantly. <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> like, "Why the fuck are we listening?" To <laughs> what, these guys yeah. are wrong about everything what are they talking about being wrong all the time give you a dissertation on this yeah um yeah i mean even just kind of talking about like those type of things if they're gut or, or narrative too like i mean that's probably something you know when you look at the projections and, and this kind of really projection heavy approach that i think people 
take kind of more nowadays is like we'll probably try to um you know kind of dig in and see if there's a reason behind like a second half change or you know underperformance in the first half or something like that you know um and and usually you know the times that we've and, and maybe it creates its own bias but the times that we've had some success has been kind of finding that guy whether it's you know the Zach Grinky uh in whatever that was 2009 or uh you know I remember Mitch Haniger uh, not this most recent time, but like, I think it was 2018, like there were some signs from what he had done in 2017 that, uh, you know, kind of an injury and, and I don't think projection systems were as, uh, prevalent at that time, but it's just like, okay, here's like some, some underlying kind of nuggets that like, if this comes together, uh, that could be a, a good year. So I remember being in on, on, uh, some Mitch Haniger, but yeah, the idea of just like, you know, I mean, I'm sure, yeah, like Nick said, we're, we're looking at a lot of the same numbers and, yep. you know, um, there's so much stuff out there, man. There's so much good content. There's so much good way to like formulate, you know, rankings. And, um, you know, I, I, I wasn't a heavy projection person when I first got into it. You see, it's strictly like, you know, baseball HQ skill-based, you know, I did Babs, uh, by Ron Chandler. I just fought, you know, I looked at the skills like, uh, that way. And it helped me because, um, it was simple, like it was a more simplistic way of looking at it. And it just, you know, gave me a good base of understanding how, you know, sabermetrics and analytics work. And then um, once I got into NPC, like I realized that I needed to learn and do, you know, incorporate other things. And I think it's good to, you know, be open to look into different things. Some people will shun it or say, I, you know, I'm just going to do it this way. And that's fine. But I felt like to get better, I had to understand at least how other, you know, ways to value players worked. Yeah. Yeah. And like another aspect is projections versus how those stats are going to be clumped together in the season. You know, like you look at a projection system, but if the guy is playing, you know, half the week, but cumulatively that's his stats at the end of the year are going to be like somewhat valuable, like a $6 player. But if you had to start that every week over the course of the year, uh, you know, like you, you seen this really empty weeks and you just get so frustrated. And you're like, how can I have this guy in my lineup? You know, like that's part of like the approach to the game that I think is hard to capture in projections and hard to capture in numbers. Mm, but Good point. Like, how you deploy them and, and when they're actually getting those stats. I mean, and I, I think Phil is pretty good at like deploying his guys, but also if you only have so many limited roster spots, that's always, that's tough as well. Right. I think one, one of my favorite things, uh, I can't remember, it was one of the Rasball guys was talking about it was like uh, maybe a year or two ago. He's like, there's like a, there's the owner me and then there's the manager me and the owner me is the one that drafts the team. And the manager one is the one that has to deal with it every week. And I think that like, just having that kind of epiphany, like, like that's true. Cause I would get like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of like a good example, like Nico Horner uh, or, or Tommy Lastella, you know, something like that. You're like, oh, the, well, on paper, on the projections, here's a, you know, whatever, $8 guy over the course of the year. But then you're like every week, you're like, why am I, why am I holding this guy right now? Um, and then maybe I'm thinking of previous years, Nico Horner, but uh, I yeah, hope no so. Gets. Don't you fucking <laughs> dare come here and talk shit I got about Albedo. Nico. We, we got Albedo Nico Horner uh, two weeks ago. I was like, you know, it's like Nico Horner. Nobody's going to bid $30. We bid $30 uh, over the winning bid in our league was 34 And so $30, $30 would have won in like, 
19 of the 30 leagues he won. But yeah, just little things like that. Those things just drive me nuts. Like thinking that we made a good bid and, uh, you know, not getting it. So I love Nico. I like, I like him a lot. What do you yeah, want? Me? I've been $30. Play. What would you bid? What would you bid? Huh? You're like, I had him two weeks ago. You know, <laughs> tough to be, it sucks to be you. <laughs> yeah. hundred yeah. percent. Speaking of bids, speaking of bids, I think one of the, uh, the things that Slack and I do not care about is overbids. Like we, I, I know that there is a dialogue in the, in the community about, you know, efficient bids um you know etc but we really don't give a shit if we overbid and we overbid a lot i think if people in our leagues you know are looking at our bids they're gonna see slack and nick overbidding all the time um (laughs) and it's just our style like if we want someone like we don't go crazy just to go crazy like uh much respect to uh who is it heverling and dalton dropping dimes this is i'm gonna <laughs> save this for the dropping dime segment later but uh no i mean they have a process and i get it uh, i think they take it to an extreme but we're on we're cl- probably closer on to that side of the spectrum than the other side of the spectrum which i would say is like maybe the toby or the scott jen said which are much more conservative with their bids and it, both sides can work but we definitely are on the side of like fuck it let's get our guy you can't stop us <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember saying i remember saying i tweet this it's like so we bid 80 dollars on brendan jewelry and we lost rob i was like oh Jeez. I was like, and right before we made that bid, this is Brandon Drury, mind you, like three weeks ago, uh, early May, May 9th, maybe. Uh, and I was like, nobody's bidding $80 on Brandon Drury. And sure enough, some guy in our league bid $97 on Brandon oh. Drury. I was like, Brandon, what are you doing bidding that much? Nice. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We thought we were making a big bid and it didn't quite work. And the one thing I, I might kind of uh, add to uh, some more color to what Nick said is like, we actually don't have many triple digit bids. Uh, most of what we're doing is in the, uh, you know, on the higher side, you know, 40, 50, $60 range. And then like, you know, every closer and waiting, you know, poor Nick, he knows mm-hmm. like when I come in, when I, I get very irrationally excited by <laughs> like a closer and waiting, like a, a shaky closer. And then you have the closer and waiting. I, I really, my heart goes out to Nick. He's a great person for tolerating me, but uh, he knows what's coming. This is, this is how it goes. I say Slack, you know, that we're going to win this guy and there's, not gonna be a backup bid or it's gonna be like two dollars and he's like no 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 this is this is exactly what it's no 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 doesn't matter doesn't matter he's gonna close he's gonna close look at this guy this guy's toast the guy in the current close he's toast wait look at this so yeah I'm very hope we get the guy uh we get the guy there is a backup bid of one dollar or zero um and then every once in a while that guy ends up closing and then I'm like yep you did it so there we are. <laughs> Most of the time, he flames out in two weeks and we're dropping him, but that's fine. That's part of the process. But just like a bluff or a call in poker, right? Like it only has to work a certain number of times if you're at $10 per guy. We never get the, um, I'm trying to think of a good example, Wade Davis last year, right? $300, right? Like we've never spent that much on a closer minus the dice can incident. Uh, but outside of that, it's pretty much, um, you know, pretty tame in terms of, of, dollar ranges 
I like that. I like that style. Last year, I think I was only above 103 times. I think it was for Manoa, which was 100% worth Beautiful. it because I lost the Grom and that was necessary. Probably like, yeah, that would probably stand out as one of just my general favorite moves ever. You know, like it worked. It was worth every, you know, dollar. And um, I was on vacation when I made it. I mean, it was just like hot tub. Yeah, hot tub, <laughs> you know. I mean that 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 series of like thirty minutes from when you the bit, the bidding closes and you're still in the hot tub and you're checking your phone like boom I got Manoa like that's got to be like pretty high on the fantasy uh, list. That's got to be pretty high on like the life list. Life list, yeah, exactly. Really, and 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 you know, oh man, it was a crazy weekend too because our the caliper on my wife's truck blew out and we couldn't fix the jeep or jeep cherokee and so we were in delaware on the way and luckily we had friends that were nearby and we were able to uh stay there that night and continue our trip the next day in their toyota highlander it was amazing like the transition that we had to make like snap out of like uh, it was such a terrible situation. It was Memorial Day weekend too, so oh my god, it was such a gut punch. And but that morning in Delaware, in my friend's you know room that his two daughters, his daughter was sleeping in, like me and my wife are sleeping in there too. And I wake up like at five thirty, and I was like, let me just whip up Fab, you know, because what I'm gonna a, drive, gonna drive, you know, to like. <laughs> You know, I have to drive like five or six more hours. So like, and then I'm thinking in my head, you know, once I'm, once I'm on the beach, it's game on. So set some stuff. I'm like, you know what? I kept it simple. You know, it's like crazy when you keep it simple, you get focused, right? What you want to do, not like all the possibilities. And I just like made a solid list in 20, 30 minutes. It was Manoa heavy, you know? But I did like, I think I did due diligence like the day before, like right before packing and kind of like making good attack. But woke up that day, threw it, threw it together. And then late, I think like six or seven o'clock, once we got settled, I bumped up that bid and I was like, I didn't go back. You know, it was like the probably the earliest I shut it down um, without going back and fucking with the price. And it was the best, <laughs> the best move possible to make. <laughs> crazy weekend that that, that'll live in my head forever that's that's it's just like yes you know seriously yeah yeah i should just like put myself against the wall like that more often like every weekend make good decisions but i think uh my other two were like eloy which you know he's kind of stunk but i needed i needed power and i think it was arias maybe early in the year Love that guy. It's like one of my favorite players. And he, they sit him versus lefties for no fucking reason. Yeah, I love, I love really him. drives me nuts. He's more, oh, God damn it. I don't know why they do it. He's like, <laughs> you know, right still, I'm right still, there with you. Still eat you up. Oh my God. Yeah. These are the things that eat at me, you know? Um, how deep yeah. into, how deep into the analytics, Um, you know, seam shifted weak vertical attack angle, all these cool new things to look at and weigh into uh, the player evaluation. You know, how far are you guys getting? What do you think, Slack? How, how deep? How deep are we getting? Um, I mean, we, we started, you know, this, our, our kind of partnership, and, and even when I, maybe it was even pre-Nick, started reading the forecaster 
right? Um, <clears throat> the baseball forecaster kind of opened my eyes to like, just, uh, it was like a Prince Fielder blurb and it was just awesome in terms of like, oh, you know, what to expect and like how he's kind of underperformed in certain areas. So a lot of times we kind of cut our teeth on, on uh, you know, XPX and, and swing strike and first pitch strike and that type of stuff for, for hitters. Um, and then lately, you know, a lot of it's been more um, for hitters, you know, look at like exit velocity on fly balls and line drives, um, you know, max EV. Oh, so nothing that, nothing that any, not anybody else is looking at either. Um, right. I think that uh, <laughs> one, one uh, thing is, is you can get down these rabbit holes. Right. And so I know I've done this on, on numerous players where I'll just like lose myself for like hours or a complete night on like one player in December. Right. Where I'm just like deep diving somebody. Um, and then I, I think that that's not, um, as helpful. Uh, I think that the idea is, is for us to be like, you know, trying to try to get as level, like, like painting a room, right. Like just trying to cover everybody with as much depth as you're covering like the, the deepest guy, I guess. Right. So trying to do that, which means that we kind of still don't go, like, I don't look at a lot of like, especially seam seam, seam shifted wake and a little bit of vertical attack angle, like. I like it, <clears throat> especially the the VAA stuff. I know Rob, I sent you that that DM for uh, from Manoa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that that Lance Prozdowski, like awesome, like breakdown of, of his VAA. It's amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, guys, awesome, fucking awesome. Um, where was I going with this? I, oh, it's it like I just, I, I just chime in with like, yo, that guy had six RBIs last week. <laughs> <laughs> RBIs are a stat. Uh, Z contact is not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um i did like also this year too um the alex chamberlain pitch comp pitch uh that kind of identifies the qualities of movement right i know some people uh you know look at like movement horizontal pitch movement and kind of incorporate that in what they look at i don't really know how to do that but the pitch model that alex had uh on his pinch comp pitch comp tool was uh pretty awesome use that a lot this year nice yeah It, it it is pretty cool um could fall down that rabbit hole but then you know you have to understand how to translate it right you have to can't spend time looking at numbers that you don't know how to you know make actionable so i think like and that's what i think maybe a lot of people go south at is too rushed into using something or um falling in love with something you know i think you have to know how to like what you're absorbing and what you're trying to put into into play you know if it it and i feel like it has to it really helps when it's intuitively like makes sense you know like this is this this makes sense this happened because of this you know um Mm -hmm. can't be like uh, too many you know expected i don't know like the the expected stats like i feel like maybe people fall into trap using it the wrong way you know, so you have to know how to apply that. Yeah. I don't think we're too high on expected stats. I can't speak for Nick here, but yeah, yeah. I don't really, really look at more of the yeah. core skills. Yeah. There was yeah. a, there was such a, uh, yeah, good. Sorry, Nick. No, 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 no. Just, that was it. Just, they're part of the process. Uh, you know, they're one, one thing. I mean, uh, you got to look at team dynamics, playing time, uh, yep. you know, a flow, all that. Flow. Yeah. I, I tell have flow. you know how many times do you know I just want everyone to know do you know how many times <laughs> I have to I convince Slack to to do something based on the, the flow quote unquote the flow <laughs> oh, wow. it's, a thing. it's the dance Slack it's the dance it's the dance huh you know 
It is uh, the dance. It is the dance. This this everything that we're doing on here is a dance. Anyway, uh, talk about I, life right here. Hold on yeah, a yeah, this is, I wrote down something before and I forgot to go back to it because you said you guys like overbidding and for some reason um what came into my head you you guys ever see my blue heaven with steve martin my blue heaven is that it was really- a long time ago i remember the scene and only the scene where he has like a social security number and he gives like one too many digits and he's like, yeah he goes take off, take the, off the left yeah take off the five <laughs> yeah classic movie i think it's on prime right oh no it's on hbo max right now it is it, it's always been one of my favorite mm-hmm. movies but um he he's he's big on over tipping, you know, and that's his thing. He's like, it's not even tipping, I believe, and it's it it's over tipping. So you guys are like that. You just sold on the overbidding, like yeah. Sorry, wow. not to go backwards in this pod. We already we already spent all. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh god, Rob, Anyway, what Rob? We've gone all the way backwards. Tonight. It's all right. <laughs> uh, I will say, like, <laughs> listen. It was the second week of the season, and we had drafted Kyle Wright in a lot of spots, but we didn't get him in one draft, and someone had dropped him, right? Was that no, it? No, it, it was the week, oh, Vegas okay. week. Then the next fab week was actually before any play had happened, so he was still available. Right. So he had not been drafted, and we were like, hey, he's having a good spring. Uh, uh, like there were some positive signs in AAA at the, in the second half of last year. And we really wanted him. Uh, why we didn't draft him the first weekend, like, let's not get into it. But uh, <laughs> we really wanted him. <laughs> and we were like, you know what? Like, we're going to bid 60 bucks on him. And we know that that's an overbid, we, but we want this guy. And we got him. And as Slack has reminded me, the backup bid was zero. But, you know, sometimes you just got to make sure you get the guy. And, and yeah, I mean, just to put a point on that, it's like, I, I'm, you know, the reminder is only like, we both kind of just like hmm, shrug a little bit. Like, we're not like actually upset about it. Neither one of us is upset. And like, I was right there in terms of like, this is what we're going to do. And like, this is the guy we had on plans of having on every team. And um, yeah, we just didn't, I think in that opening weekend, like, I think the news broke a day later that he was going to get the rotation spot. So um, I think that's why he went undrafted in that first thing we did. When I set my lineups in the morning, like today, this, this, this Monday was one of the biggest pain in the ass situations. You know, when, when, when Bailey Ober goes to the IL and it's, you know, 16 out of 21 teams, it's uh, it's a big deal. (laughs) It's a kick in the nuts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So many teams are like, man, maybe you shouldn't dress it so much over. Uh, But uh, I feel like, I feel like. No, go ahead. No, I'm saying I feel like he 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 understands how much I was in on him, and he's he's gonna he's gonna come back and 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 honor that. Dude, it's it's wild how like when you draft a lot of guys in your DCs, mains, whatever, and they do well, like you, that feeling of like I'm a genius. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. But yeah. then like it, you know, it goes the other way, and you're just like. Oh. Man, why why was I so stupid? You know, it swings both ways. But man, when it works, it's it's beautiful. I know it's beautiful. Like last year when it was it was um it was uh Trevor Rogers and it was beautiful. It was it was early November drafts and it was it was all him. And this year, 
I thought I found them again in Glenado, but I still have the faith, baby. Come on, Glenn. That we were my boy. The yeah, that was my this year, like boy, you know, at the bottom on top of his cease. But I, I loved Glenado. Like he was the guy I always went to. When it got into the 40th round, I was like, I'm getting auto. And then he like, you know, it's it's funny when you see the rise in some random guys, you know, you see like he caught some helium at some point in draft season and he started going higher and higher, you know, and that's when you mentioned, uh, I don't even know when you mentioned it, one of these situations, but he said, uh, oh, I can't even get my thoughts together. This is too, too far. No, the situ- oh. here's the situation. The situation is, is when you draft a guy early and you're on him. Right in the wave. So and then, and then he starts rising in draft price and you feel like ah, i got him at such a great price before like i don't want to pay this price even though in the end he's worth it you know isn't that crazy like how our brain works like that that's exactly what it was with Rogers. last year i got into main event i'm like i can't do this i got him at 464 two months ago <laughs> you know it's like you can't talk yourself into dressing him at 340 now even though you you know like you said it's it's still the better move oh man Fancy baseball, so much fun. The one that the one that got me was uh, Chris Paddock uh, a few years ago. I just remember him getting up and up as as each draft went by, and like we every time, like it was just another couple rounds every draft, and we just never got on board. Had him in all the DCs and none of our big events, and then uh, yeah, it's frustrating, frustrating for sure. So like, and we kind of came away from from that being like, you know, we got to be if we're on these guys. The problem is that if you're drafting him in the 25th round, you obviously are thinking there's some question that he might not be worth a 23rd round pick, you know? So like then all of a sudden you're saying, okay, now I'm going to take him in the 13th. It's just a little bit harder. But I think obviously for Paddock and Rogers, both Rogers had that velocity spike and was just striking everybody out. Um, I think that that contributed to both those guys. And so we had, we were just slow to adjust, I think on both guys. That's that's solid. Yeah. I mean, you got to have those picks and draft champions. They're the ones that, you know, really give you really give you a boost, you know, like Tyler O'Neill last year late as a a speculative, like, you know, power speed guy. He was was huge, you know, Corbin Burns and in the 400s, whatever, you know, so those guys can really give you such a boost, um, especially if you nail the top of the draft, you know, um, what, what's the most important skill to have as a fantasy player? Like, what's the biggest thing you need to be able to bring to the table? I'll say self-awareness. Uh, I think that's, <laughs> I think, I think that, uh, I think that if you know, when you know your weaknesses, you have no weaknesses. That's basically my point. I say this to Nick every weekend. So, yeah, yeah as, as he as he you know the the prep the the talk into like what player we're gonna get that weekend uh no uh i think it's time dude um if you don't have the time to grind you're not going to be successful in the nfbc format uh you've got to you know i i've seen my uh, performance uh go down over the last couple of years. I used to have an office job where I was, you know, you know, I had my, my work to do, but like, otherwise I could kind of just like be listening to the games all day, uh, you know, be watching game day. Um, and then once I shifted into a job where I had to be in front of people more and I couldn't, you know, I had to be more focused on that. And I had to take away my time from the game. Like 
I have not been as good at the game lately. So hmm. I think it's time and being able to focus on, on the nuances like every day, day in and day out. Fantastic. What do you Sorry, think hold on. There's a developing, right? there's a developing situation right here. Um, after after Schreiber pitches an, an inning and a third, it's like Matt Storm's coming out for the final two thirds. Believe he pitched last night and got the save too, right? Yeah, this is gonna be his third save, right? And back to back nights after them not really. Wow, mm. he's available in both of my mains. Let's go, pony up, boys. <laughs> <laughs> Dupont Dupont is somewhere fucking smiling (laughs) ear to ear, baby. Uh, uh I think he called Strom, didn't he? Yeah, he called Strom. Yeah, yeah. At the at the at the MTM Ultimate, I was drafting for Phil. Um, and he did this move. He did this, yeah, yeah. Um he he didn't want he wanted me to go and like do it like we did the uh uh his his first year. Um just be a proxy for him. I guess Mike. Mike wanted someone there. He didn't want like a computer person, you know? So I was like, I'll go for you. I'm like, I'm going to be there anyway, you know, doing drafts. So, um, and DuPont last round, right. He did this move, such a, such a move, such a, uh, such presence, right. Modica was um, on the wheel, came back. So DuPont making his last pick, his 30 sound pick, closes up all his stuff. He goes, Boston Red Sox closer, match drum. Boom, just fucking like was amped up. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> and so, and so I was like, uh, he's like, who did you just pick Strom? Like, yeah, he goes, oh, he goes, that's interesting, you know? And we like went down the Strom rabbit hole, you know? Like, yeah. is can this be real, you know? But can we just have, can we just have a moment of like Jason DuPont appreciation? Oh, <laughs> yeah, <know>? please. <laughs> Jason DuPont is a character. Uh, a, a very good person but like if you if you are in Vegas and you need someone to just like roll up on and have a great time like beeline it for Jason DuPont <laughs> like you are gonna have a great time that's interesting so he'll he, he he'd be on your like go-to experience person mm-hmm. oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah 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 absolutely no. When I met him in New York for the first time, he instantly, instant, you know, like drawn to his energy, his enthusiasm, you know, um, it, he's hysterical. Yeah. Good old Jason. Um, but yeah, so match drama. Don't, don't go to a Red Sox game with him if you don't want to get into it. Hardcore? Like you, he can, you, you better be ready to throw down possibly? Like a, yeah, he's spit fire. Oh boy. Have, he's, yeah. just, he's just vocal. He's just vocal. He came here. He came to LA when uh, the Red Sox won. What was that? He'll know. It's like 2018, maybe. Uh, it's just like in a in a in a bar with like loud Red Sox fans and Dodger fans. He was still the loudest like Red Sox fan, just like yelling at everything. So it was awesome. Great time. Love you may get you killed, but <laughs> it'll be fun. All right. So you said so so. Self awareness is 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 your answer, um, Nick. Did you self awareness and time? Did I you want to add to what what's the most important part? What's Dude, the most important? That's time. it, right? Time. It. That's it. Time. Yeah. All yeah. right. Yeah. Time. What do you yeah. What do you think it is? What's What's your answer? Um, I think it's really trying to fade 
fade a lot of noise, you know, like just, yeah. just stay concrete in, 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 like I said before, like, just keep it simple. Like I have this thing on my whiteboard. It's like kiss, like keep it simple, stupid, like through everything I'm going to look at and sometimes just got to like pull back and just keep it nice and simple. And I think like, just have the things that you can lean on that you feel strong about and stay strong in that process. And try not to get influenced too much you know obviously you're gonna take advice from people who are smart you know like to listen to it to read about it read you know um and you're gonna pick the stuff in too because we're just trying to stay up on news trying to stay up on playing time so we're reading all these things and you know you just have to i feel like have a good enough you know frame of mind to dissect what what you really need to use and uh try not to fall into like you know, just lazy traps, I think, of, of, of you know, not being organized or processed or I don't know, trying to trying to do lineups at the last minute, you know, like just 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 have somewhat, you know, try to stick to a, like a consistent, you know, schedule or a consistent attack. And, you know, I feel like it's just easier than trying to cram it in, like doing your homework like at the last minute or something like that, you know, I guess. Everything comes down to homework. <laughs> so what are you guys focusing the most on right now in your in-season management? Like, or, or the specific thing you're working on in your teams? Do you look at categories at this time of the year? Do you look? Do you even look at the standings? That's my question. Do I look at the standings? You want, I can tell you, I can tell you exactly where we are on all four mains in the overall to this second. <laughs> to the second. How many category points for RBIs in your third main? <laughs> Day one, yeah. day one, just, and like, that's the fun of it. I mean, I'm not saying that they, they're meaningful, you know, but I think at a certain point they kind of start to be like, okay, you kind of can have your, you know, focus on a certain category, especially, I mean, uh, Nick, I, I created a spreadsheet, Rob, you've seen it, uh, kind of just, yeah, just like have the, have the percentages of where we are in the overall for each category um, week by week. And I think that, you know, you kind of filter on that and just see, like, if you just use the percentages, you can see two things, you're, you're kind of the way you're trending, right? And then also what I think is helpful like now is, um, you know, seeing how many more weeks are in the season. Like when you see it on just like one page of an Excel and you just have all, like just your percentage, you can see, wow, there's just still like so much more of the season left. Um, plenty of time to, to not freak out and, um, you know, to kind of make your adjustments. Listen, yeah. you, you were kind enough to send it over to me. And in about three minutes, I felt a couple of things. One, I was like instantly learned more about my team, I think, in three minutes than I really understood about it the whole year. Just like you said, seeing how many, I, and I noticed that, how many blank lines were left. It's like, wow, it's getting, it, it's getting there, you know? Like, you don't realize, like, it's still early, it's still early, but it was, it was a lot taken out, you know? And the second, my second feeling was like, yeah, so first I was like, this is dynamite. I just learned so much about my team already. Second thing was like, man, I, I felt overwhelmed like that. I couldn't even think of, you know, doing something this myself. <laughs> myself. <laughs> but it was beautiful. It's a beautiful sheet. And um, like I said, I, I plugged the, I, I plugged it in this week and uh, it's really great. It's like, Oh wow. Shot up this much. And um, you know, and I like looking at the weekly stats too. Like even the weekly, um, I don't know. It's maybe, some people might consider it wasting time or whatever, but I like just like weekly looking at the overall, not like who is at the lead at the end of the week, but like who won that last week. Right. And like what they put up in 
the best line possible. Wow. 24 homers. And you're like, Whoa, you know, like, I don't know, maybe it's something you can't use. Like some people feel like you can't use, but I just like to browse around and it's there, you know? So sometimes to just kind of try to look at that. And um, again, you might even realize like maybe um, I think my one team last year was like probably like in uh, 200 um, in the overall, but um, kind of, I don't know, kind of was a lot stronger than I thought. And uh, it's it, 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 certain weeks I was like, oh man, like I may have felt like I wasn't gaining anywhere, but then I would look at the weekly thing. I'm like, oh shit, I was like the top 20 that week, you know? So kind of feel like, all right, you know, I'm making a little bit of progress here, you know? So um, shun the standing, yeah. you know, whatever. I, I feel like it's, it's useful in ways. I think uh, on the, when you look at it from the overall perspective, because like in a league, you could have a really good week in say RBIs and, but like there was a gap between you and, you know, three points ahead. Like you gained two points, but like you weren't going to gain that third point because the next guy up was like really far ahead. Right. But, but you had a really good week in RBIs. And so by looking at the percentage gained in the overall, you know, you have the whole field, and that gives you a better idea about how you did. So even though in the league, you may have only gained two points, but in the overall, you gained the equivalent of whatever would have been like four points, you know, I like, I, right. so that gives you like a better uh, gauge of like how you did in the week. And it, like you said, like, it gives you also that high level view of like, okay, where's my team headed? You know, you can see my pitching stats, my ratios are sinking. You know, I had a really good April, but like May and the first week of June has been trash. Like, even though you may be in the middle of packing pitching or upper echelon of pitching still, like, do you see the trend? You better do something about it. So it, it really helpful in that perspective. Right. Fantastic. Um how much you guys like constantly really like do you get upset like if you don't spend enough time into your fantasy teams you know like to like mental well-being <laughs> while you play <laughs> I, I i would like to feel this question first <laughs> so i think For it's important listen as, reasons. you know as obvious reason about mental health I, it, it it's it's part of you know incorporating it into your life you know and 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 yeah. into your into your family or whatever so like you know how do you is it just ever super stressful how do you deal with it if it is yes uh it is yeah. super stressful that's the answer no i mean you actually asked the, the previous questions like what are we focused on right now like for me it, it's it's staying oh, yeah, positive right, right? yeah yeah because yeah. i um i think i answered with something but like the idea is like um you know i can kind of be you know nick has talked about my memory before like most of the things i remember tend to be especially at this point in the season the, the missteps right like right. whether they're draft day i've kind of let I've, kind of, I've let most of the draft day things go but i'll never really let them go until the end of the season and then and even then i just interrupt, them. <laughs> I just interrupt. like slack here we go <laughs> slack will just like pull out of his ass some random draft mistake that we made in like 2014 i'm not joking this is real <laughs> and he will tell he will say like oh th we were going to draft this person we got sniped and then we took this shitty player and because we panicked and like everything crumbled from there like he he pulls it out anyway continue 
I'm just saying, everyone. This is Rain Man type of memory. For only negative things. It's really a blessing. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's 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 it, though. Like, is like... Um, is at this point, like these things do start to kind of mount. And so one example is like, you're constantly on, like we had Brandon Bell available uh, in our lineup. I'm sorry. The lineup comes out on a Friday. He's in the lineup. Right. And then he's, they get scratched right. at like five at six o'clock. Right. We did have a, a replacement that we could have had, but I was too busy doing like my life and kind of watching, I think it was a, a Spencer Howard start, which was probably a, more of a waste of time than, than anything else but I missed that he had gotten scratched in time to get him in. And that little mistake, um, those type of things, same thing happened a lot in COVID, right? Where guys would be in the lineup scratched or whatever happened. And those things drive me nuts. Um, so I have a list. If anybody, uh, I have, I'm not selling anything. I have a list on my Twitter um, feed that you can, uh, what are they called? Like subscribe? I don't even know if you subscribe. You just like join and follow. Anyway, I have it's two beat writers from every uh I'm selling something here. Basically, two beat writers from every team. I put it on a list, and I'm scrolling like, yeah, through that list. mostly. Right, right. What I would consider game time is lineup time. Uh, basically, three to six on Pacific time on a Monday, oftentimes Tuesday now, and then Friday. So I always try to kind of go through those beat writers, really get like as quick as I can, because those little things, like when I miss a guy getting scratched, um, that really annoys me. So uh, staying positive is like. You know, um, yeah, like I, I think it's actually a bit of a struggle for me because when I'm staying positive, I'm like looking at leaderboards constantly. I am looking at roster resources, seeing like what is happening with this guy moving, you know, in and out of lineup, what kind of stuff is going on, bad motor changes yep. and um, closer, closer, you know, like shakiness. Right. But when I'm a little bit more like kind of just like frustrated, uh, that's harder to do. And I don't do as good of a job of it. And so, um, you know, it's a kind of a battle within myself for me. Uh, during the season. Right. Direct that energy. Like you said, make that list and just like try to focus on that. Don't fall down no fucking monkey pox, fucking rabbit holes and forget about it. Then you definitely don't want to spend time on, on, on fantasy baseball. Yeah. yeah. It's, it, it's, and, and it's like, there's sometimes too, like after fab, I, I, I walk away and I, wow, I just, you know, spent a couple hours to, to pick up a $3 corner guy for Friday to Sunday. And it's like, <laughs> why, like, why would that the end result, you know? And at that moment, I'm like, all right, you know, time to do something else. <laughs> Even though I want to like, you know, pull in some of the stuff and get ready for the, you know, the fab pop I do and just look at the player breakdown. There's some nights where I have, where I get my guys where I wanted to get and I'm fully immersed in looking around, but other people did. And then some nights where it feels like it was terrible or a waste of time. I just <laughs> shut down, <laughs> shut down, like move it on, come back to this during the week, you know, cause it's uh, but yeah, stay positive. That's it. Bring positive vibes into your fantasy team. <laughs> yeah listen you got it's it's like it's like giving your fantasy team that presence you know like that managerial presence that like mike social would give you you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah um all right so tell me about the staying aggressive the jake mcgee story um this is perfect perfect segue perfect segue tell me about jake yeah um we had Jake McGee on two of our, uh, we had three mains last year. We had, had him on two teams. He was a little bit shaky. Uh, I would say very shaky. He had not gotten the previous few saves. The velocity was down. 
uh, the beat writers were talking about um, their need, like at the, at the trade deadline, it's going to be like bullpen, bullpen, bullpen. I believe that phrase was repeated. And I was like, that, that does make sense, you know? And um, we ended up dropping Jake McGee. I think it was like week nine or 10 or something like that. And um, then in the middle, and, and we were the only two teams of 43 that dropped him. Then in the middle of the week, Tyler Rogers blows a save. Jake McGee comes in the extra innings, closes that out. His below kind of ticks up a little bit. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cringy. And um, then on the weekend, we rebid and got him for 30. I'm sorry, we got him for 16 to 10 in one league. And then we out, got outbid 30, 36 to 30 on, uh, on another one. Um, That's and, and, uh, a perfect example. Of I, rain, this Rain Man, <laughs> rain man memory. I looked it up. I looked That's it up. That's amazing. But, but the point was. Hold on a second. Sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what's the difference in different price for a player in two different leagues? Uh, one, we needed him more. One, we okay. needed him more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That was actually our best team, the one that we lost him on. So gotcha. uh, I, I okay. want to commend, you know, myself and Nick for, for you know, kind of saddling <laughs> back up and like, and like going after it again, you know, right? But like, like first of all, like back up, like it's a, we were, he's 95% owned, right? We were the only, t- he's dropped, he's av- was dropped in two of, of 43 leagues and the, how big of a mistake that was was 36 and 16 dollars so not like earth shattering right and so i think this gives some insight into like people like if he was available in the fab pool that week if jake mcgee was available in the fab pool on the sunday night that we dropped him he would not be 95 percent owned like people would have deprioritized him it was a lot of inertia that kept him on other people's teams right but we happened to look at it and say okay we if if Jake McGee was out there in the free agent pool right now, would we have him higher or lower on our on our thread or our, our, our bid list than Edward Olivares? And the answer was Edward Edward Olivares. And so we you know we dropped him for him, and um, it was painful because we didn't get him, and he obviously had a good time, but a uh, good time, good rest of season. <laughs> time. He had a great time. Jake McGee was out there loving life, spitting that fastball, 92 miles an hour, rest of the season, racking up saves. But uh, the lesson in there is to stay aggressive. It's, it's, it's like and you say Kimball, time, and I hear the Hootie and the Blowfish song. Time. Uh, <laughs> we got nothing but time, baby. Nothing but time. Uh, I, I mean, also, that goes to show you like, if you make a mistake one week, we we have no shame if we drop a guy and we have done this we'll drop a guy and then we will this just bit, yeah we will bid on him the next week if we were like well that was a mistake like we'll bid on him as if we weren't the people who just dropped his ass so if you got to bid you know a hundred dollars on the guy that you just dropped last week because that is the right move then you do it no. You know what that reminds me of? And- like a quarterback throwing a pick or like throwing to like a receiver who just dropped a ball. Like you, you go back to it. Like you go right back to the process, you know? Yep. Not yep. shameful of the interception. Just going to have to move on. You got to move on. That's it. I will say we didn't, we did not bid enough on David uh, Peralta to get him back after we dropped him. <laughs> <laughs> David Peralta. We'll, we'll we'll talk about that later. Slide. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you gotta sometimes you gotta uh, be uh, you know fiscally responsible, uh, Rob. You can't you can't just spend on everybody. Yeah. I know. Draw I'm ready to spend this year. I got I got like 
with the most money in one league and the, I think the second or third most in my other main. So I'm ready to drop it. Yeah. You know? Wait, yeah. you've been you've been miserly over there, huh? Yeah. Uh, oh, man, just I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like weekend. I'm like, why am I like not bidding more on these guys? But I think I, I was late. I think I was a little late to the, a little low on the morale. I really wanted him, but I didn't I'm going to the fifties to get him, you know, should have. Uh, Give us a work. call. If you want to, if you want us to pump you up on, on bidding higher, <laughs> we will, we will pump I you know. Up. Yeah. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to dial you guys up because you know, I, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. I gotta pump it up. I mean, we don't want to go on the, uh, you know, the extremes, which there are, there are, is, are we in the drop in dimes? Uh, portion? Always in the drop in dimes. Right? <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> Where, you know, like there are guys in, uh, like uh, Heverling and Dalton Deldon who really push the the fab. And I get it. To be honest, I don't even know. Have we talked about this already? <laughs> no, no, no. I'm having these thoughts run through my head every second. <laughs> and it's like so I'm trying to work like six times as hard to focus. It's, so it's amazing guys- feeling. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Inside joke, everybody. Uh, so those guys like are definitely extreme uh, on their push. And I, I get it though. They want to get their guys early. You know, they'll, if they get them and they're good season long, but generally speaking, I think that we are Slack and I are closer to that end of the spectrum than the more conservative side, which just sounds like you're on the conservative side. I would, you know, call out people like Toby and Scott Jensen which are on the conservative side. Uh, both sides work, but we definitely lean towards the uh, more uh, frisky side. I like it. I like to be aggressive in, in certain spots, you know, pick my spots. And this been a little gun shy, I guess, and, and Fab. And so it's kind of like really interested in Grayson and, you know, waiting wait for Grayson. We're waiting for Max Meyer, you know, they both, mm-hmm. they both doesn't look great. So now it's like, you know, Maybe I should have put more money on Edward Cabrera, you know, just to, I don't know. So I'll figure it out. I'm waiting for my Alec Manoa. Maybe that's the problem. Thought Grayson would be him. But, I did uh, too. I did too. Yeah. And, and you get in a tight spot though, especially if like you're the, if there are other people in your same price range, like available left, like we have not done well. Uh, we don't have many. I think the only $300 player we got was Austin Riley in uh in the Fabapalooza of 2019. But other than that, like we keep everything, you know, pretty much in that, that 40 to, you know, low you know, double digits basically. But, um, I wasn't but yeah, around it, for the save, 2019 Fabapalooza, you know? Yeah. I think it was like Willie Calhoun. Um, I feel left out when everyone talks about it. And Nikki Lopez. It was, it was quite festive. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a fun time. And yeah, we didn't get, and it wasn't all that productive. I think, uh, Oscar Mercado was in there, but, yeah, we just try to kind of like uh, the problem is if you save, right? If you save and all these other guys have it, then then you're like, well, this is my last chance, and then you kind of end up blowing more than you would probably want to, you know? If if mm. Grayson had come up and there's like two Great or three point. guys that all have seven, eight hundred bucks, what are you gonna do? Not bid five? 
I mean, because you look around, like if I don't get him, what am I going to do? Right. Right. So right. we, yeah, we kind of, yeah, kind of one of the reasons we avoid that, but no, that's a yeah. great point. That's a definitely a great point. Um, I feel like I'll, I'll, I'll have to get a little more aggressive, but um, in the couple of guys, I, you know, I, I wanted uh, Jose Miranda, you know, probably wouldn't have been a great ad, but wanted to add a guy like him just didn't go, you know, as high as it was going to take to get him. So it's not like I liked any, didn't like any of the guys just uh, wasn't in, you know, my lane. Um, I, I think, uh, I think what, what Slack just said about like, you know, saving your money for the big buy at some point in the season is like, even if there's, you know, there's 15 teams in NFBC leagues. So even if there's just four other teams that are kind of taking that same approach, like how are you going to guarantee that you're one beating four other teams on that bid? And then, so, so really that bid is going to be highly inefficient. So while you may get the grace in Rodriguez and trust me, like Grayson Rodriguez is a boss uh, had he come up and been healthy, um, you know, that was going to be highly inefficient bit. Um, so you're losing a ton of value versus like maybe being 10 or 20% over on a $50 bid, you know, four or five times than a, a $300 bid. And you got to be, you know, 50% over it to guarantee you're going to get it. So yep. that's, that's how, it, you know, and, and what, and then what also happens is as the season goes on, I think you, you tend to get better deals than you think you're going to. Uh, mm. and so you end up getting, you know, those guys that just slip through the cracks because other people are, are either checked out or they've run out of money, et cetera. So yeah. Proponent of spending it early. Yep. I feel like I'm, um, I, uh, like to wait for like someone to get dropped to that. I value way more than somebody else. So those are my favorite pickups. And it's like, you know, yeah. Like, mm. oh, you want to drop, uh, you know, Nick Pavetta? Come on, smart enough. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is shot spot. You just said shot spot. Shot 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 Nicky Sai Vetta, they call him. Go uh. <laughs> ahead, Black. Tell him what we did. We dropped Nick Pavetta. That's what we did. No. Yeah, we dropped Nick Pavetta. When? Yeah. Why? Uh, Months into it, sucks. <laughs> it's always yeah. like oh, I know, I know, I yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it was goes it back after, to was it after that mid games twitch that he made? But the I think he after, did that, and then he had a double start, and he wasn't very effective against Baltimore. So you said I that think. that thing he did wasn't really real, right? Because a lot um, of people said that. A lot of people thought that way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think the velocity was there the pitch mix the curveball usage wasn't as much like it there wasn't a lot there honestly at, at yeah. that time i don't even know if the velocity has really, really picked back up or if maybe he's had like just some bad babbit pluck uh before that um you know was it too aggressive i think that you know in hindsight we wish you could have it back you know but again that's one of the same things uh, stands like at that time we just i mean for that team we prioritized michael fulmer we had gregory soda who looked shaky uh, we didn't want to wade into the closer waters uh, yeah. where like um, Matt Bush that week went for like 75 or 80 bucks. And he got one say, but it was pretty clear that Barlow was the guy like, like everybody was going very expensive for these uh, 
or very high, highly priced for these closers. Didn't want to get in there, saw the value in Fulmer. Um, you know, we could have waited a week. Um, in that week, you know, Soto could have lost his job and Fulmer looked like the goal guy. Fulmer obviously is not there now. Um, so it's painful, Rob. Like, I mean, like I'm talking, like I'm be walking around the house. I got like stop and like put my hands on my knees and like catch my breath. Like how did this happen <laughs> type of painful? But this is what I'm talking about when I say stay positive. Like, like we, we again with the McGee thing, like we are just as aggressive. We dropped David Peralta after we dropped Nick Pavetta. Like we're not going to stop, you know? We are a, a, and I, God bless Nick. I say this every fucking weekend is we are a Mike D'Antoni led offense. We are going to, if we're going to win, it's because we're going to wow. outscore you, you know, like we are not going to try. We're not in the nineties Knicks. We're not trying to keep this score in the low nineties, you know, or the eighties. We're not on the defensive end, Charles Oakley and Anthony Mason. We yeah. You're not doing there. UFC moves. <laughs> you're playing basketball. Yeah. Yeah. We're trying. And, and so like, I, I'm sure there are so many better references. I've just been saying this for so many years to just Nick and he, I'm sure he's laughing. Um, who, okay, right so now. so who's who? Who's Nash? Did someone start of my Sean Marion? Who's who? All right, so you want to know? <laughs> I used to be the gas here. I, I used to be the gas in our early days. I was pushing for the sexy picks, you know, uh, yep. you know, the up and comers. And then at some point, and I don't know when that happened, maybe Slacks, you know, can dig in the memory hole to figure out when that happened, but <laughs> at some point we crossed. And now I'm like, let's draft Paul Goldschmidt. Let's draft, you know, let's draft like Justin Turner and Joey Votto, who are both fucking me in my DCs. But like, <laughs> but Joey Votto, Joey Votto. He's, he's on one. He's on one. Once, once Joey RT uh, retweeted that, uh, the, the Fangrass guy that was like, uh, is this the demise? I was like, oh, it's on. <laughs> Did you see that when Joey Votto retweeted the article? Yeah. I was like, oh, it's about to be real. That, about kid, to be real. that guy but did a service to everybody. In oh, baseball, I loved yeah. it. I was like, sweet fucking motiv- sweet motivation, bro. <laughs> Joey, uh, no, but at some point we we crossed paths and I became the the boring one and Slack became the gas and the like the sexier one. I and I think we settled in a pretty good spot though. Yeah, I would I would agree. I would agree. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean that that's uh just staying on the attack. You know what I mean? Like you gotta you gotta keep going and. um I mean, we've had so many bad drops. Uh, Lance Lynn in uh, 2019. The list goes on. Tyler O'Neill at the beginning of last year. Um, you Ooh. know, but uh, yeah, you oh. just and 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 I can't make this point clearly enough. It's like these are not, especially for me. Nick is is a little bit more um, a different type of breed. These are difficult. Like this is a learned behavior. You know what I mean? Like I, I am at, like kind of quivering, like at, at the very soul of me, right? Like I'm just like uh, you know nervous. Like to make these moves, um, you know, I think, I think you gotta, like, it takes a lot of will. You have to kind of get past that part of me. That's like, oh, well, what happens if my opponent gets this guy and does well with him? That is a, into my mind, just a, a really not a winning mentality, right? Like I hope, you know, that when we drop Carlos Santana, that Steve Weimer picks him up and rides him for three weeks and that we pass him in the standings. Shots fired again. What's up, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but like, look, I was like, we're dropping Carlos Santana. Are we doing this? And it's like, yeah, we're doing this, you know, because we, you know, we have to kind of get there. And he sucks, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like we were just like, listen, could he turn it around? Yes, he could turn around. But like, we're not, we're not going down with this ship, you know? Right. Mm. Yeah. This, yeah. It, it's not, a, it's not a ship worth riding to it sinks into the ocean and that was last year so like 
granted dropping Carlos Santana like this year would be a much different thing. I still fucking drafted him in DC this year. That guy just ropes you in every fucking year. (laughs) (laughs) All of a sudden you get to, you know, to the point in your spreadsheet where he's always the fucking best available player. And it's like, sometimes you have, you know, sometimes like, no, no, not doing it. Not doing it. Sheet. Don't. I'm done with Carlos Santana. Don't say this to me. Don't give me this sheet. Don't say it right now. Don't Greg say Carlos it. Santana nonsense. Oh, man. All right. Um, tell me about the rise of the small ball. I know it's something you mentioned to me that is bottling in your brain. Tell me the small ball story. More things as I walk around the block thinking to myself. Um, block thoughts. See, see that. See, I just gave you a pod name and everything. Block thoughts. Like, <laughs> just say these things. Oh, listen, listen. You like to get it out. You like to speak it. Just say it. Just say it into a pod and just let it out yeah. into the world. I would listen. Rant. You have one listener right Rant. here. I don't know if Nick would, right, but I would. Probably not. My mom and her sewing circle, her knitting circle, have at least six listeners. Um, yeah. So, so like I did spend, I spent a lot, I spent a lot of, of uh, October, I guess it was. Um, I do a lot more. Nick likes to take a little mental break from things. I was you know, kind of obsessive and, and went. What are you talking about? Wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. October. Whoa, what? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. All right. This coming from the guy who every year tells me I'm not going to do DCs this year, or at the very least, I'm not going to do DCs until February. Bullshit. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> this motherfucker is signed up like. There'll be one or soft two. Rooms. The I, soft I, rooms are I, I never, I never front. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna be signing up as soon as they start DCs. Like <laughs> that's me. Uh, and he likes to play. Like he's gonna hold off, but it never happens. I think one year you made it to January. Yeah, but Very every close to January. Yeah, yeah. Every yeah. every other year, you're you're right on there. Anyway, continue. Uh, I mean, I think it would would be great, but I'm just not quite built that way right now. Maybe that will change. Uh, but so I, I looked a lot this October um, and early November into like past teams and like what, especially what Phil had done and the way some of these guys are, are managing the rosters. Right. And I'd heard, you know, I know Phil got like a lot of, uh, you know, analysis on, on his teams, but I remember it was uh, Jeff Zimmerman and Rob Silver, right. A couple of years ago talking about this is a weekly game. And um, I think I nodded as I was listening to the podcast when they were talking about it two years ago. And I was like, but then I realized now that I kind of was not um, understanding fully kind of what that meant. And basically, you know, as I was looking at, 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 at Phil's team, um, I was moved by the, and, sh- and sh- shaken to the core by the fact that he picked up uh, Jose Iglesias six times, six times for Jose Iglesias. And I know that that just kind of, sounds the way it sounds, but like it, that is a, sh- a completely shifted my understanding of what was going on. And, and honestly, I think anybody that was, would be listening to this would, would, it should shake them as well. Like, like this is like separate I mean, times Nick, on one team, like six separate, six, six separate intervals. I'm, and, and, and I'm talking Jose Iglesias, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's streaming, 
he's streaming his guys, right? I did an analysis of like how many active hitters does he have on his bench versus how much we have uh, or, and other other successful owners. And Phil was just like much more like on the hitting front. He's just grabbing these at bats week to week to week to week. Whereas we typically will stash a lot more than, I mean, we used to stash a lot and now we stash, you know, as much as I can get away with without having Nick, you know, have a conniption. But like, I just like looked at- Mitch Hanniger, everybody get on it. <laughs> There's your hot tip. Go stash Mitch Hanniger, who should be back in a couple months. I'm sure he'll be great <laughs> but it, it's true it's like it's like that is a, a kind of a, a complete shift it, it's this you know and 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 the it's a lot of the ras ball it's week to week it's like matchups like how can you sit like we would just it, back in the day we drafted will myers in the 10th round he's got three tough matchups i don't care it's will myers we draft him in the 10th he's playing Whereas this kind of newer small ball type of approach would be like Albert Amora has four games at, at, at Cincinnati this week. So he's going in for Will Myers, right? Which is inconceivable to a, a, I would say 2020 version of me and Nick, right? I'd be like, no, of course not. But now I think we're really trying to incorporate um, that part into our game. And I think there are some growing pains with that, you know, for sure. You know, not just like execution wise, but partnership wise. And um yeah, I think I think that anybody that doesn't understand that evolution, um, and and it's not obviously not essential to win. I mean, you look at as Scott Jen said in particular uh, this year has a team in the top five that started with three hitters, a reliever, and then two starters, right? So like it's not like you have to go strong pitching and then stream your hitters, but it's just I think understanding it allows you to kind of deviate from the rules, right? Rather than just being like, oh, I'm stuck in my ways. I'm not drafting a closer early. Blah blah blah. I think that that over time you know, failing to understand that is uh, suboptimal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it was funny when you sent me the, uh, a, uh, a snapshot of um, my plate appearances in the main event overall. And I was like, I didn't even know, you know, I hadn't even, it's not that I didn't even know. I, my, I was carrying like two batters on the bench sometimes. I think for like three weeks, I carried one. Um, I was just dashing like pitchers, you know, that I wanted to hold on to. Like <laughs> you mentioned Spencer Howard, you know, held on, you know, to him because I was like, he's coming back and he pitched with the River Rocks and he was on fire. The River Rocks sounds like a uh, a place in Game of Thrones, right? Um, or that River Run. That was River hey, Run, right? Rob. Yeah. Rob. Uh, You've been hanging on to Spencer Howard. <laughs> <laughs> like, cut that guy. Cut that guy right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. pause the recording. Do a midweek drop. Just do a yeah. midweek drop. Don't you do the ad. Just get him off the team. <laughs> no, get him off. Oh my God. Yeah. So I don't even know how I, I really honestly was have I'm trying to maximize, of course. You know, you wanna definitely play that game, but I was actually doing um a little less on even attacking like monday to thursday that was just like i said i was i just wanted to make sure i wasn't going to drop any any good pitchers that i thought would be like good rest of season guys and i just try to keep as many of them on my bench as i could and so i wasn't really even just like always concentrating on filling in the at bat and i was surprised that I, i was still able to i guess it's just these guys really haven't gotten hurt. Most of my batters just have been pretty much healthy, you know? So um, if it's, I guess you have to weigh that, right? Weigh the incremental moves. Like, is this, is this a lateral move? Am I, am I making a move, you know, by getting a fill-in guy that how much more 
is he going to give me, you know? Um, I don't know. And then, of course, you can play that game where, you know, you, you got a four-game week, and on on the Monday, the guy that you bid on gets benched, you know, and you're like, motherfucker. Like, mm-hmm. you know, is there, is there a bigger punch in the gut than when that happens? You're like, mm-hmm. you know. I know Toby was so mad this week with Connor Pilkington, you know, uh, one, one postponement, like shifted his whole schedule into a way tougher schedule. And, uh, you know, it's just the way, it's the way the domino falls sometimes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing yeah. You can do about it. Um, so that's the Jose Iglesias story, just chipping away, just like building, building, um, I guess building a roster spot that essentially like, you know, I don't know, a, a 20th round batter or something, you know, like constantly trying to, you know, accumulate enough stat to, you know, fill like one draftable bat that, you know, and just maybe pay more attention to pitching in the draft. Uh, it's interesting. It's tough. It's tough. To, whoa. Just slam the microphone. But like you, like you were saying, like everyone's competitive. There's 14 other guys in the league. Like everyone's going for these players too, right? So it's always a battle to tr- like try to fill it in as much as you can. That's why you got to have that strong conditional bid game. Um, there's never too many. There's never enough guys. But you know what? I I gotta say, I built conditional like bids. I built the waterfall, and I've gone back to it. And then I kind of realized that I was maybe building um list too like too big where um at the end of the day um i wasn't gonna you know consider these players over the job i did don't make a move make a move like i feel like um really realize you know who you want your 14th 15th bid is this guy really better than the guy that you drop you know sometimes my do just do it get in on the action so i think Mm -hmm. it's a no good no bueno yeah, I mean, that's the kind of one of the things, too, is like I know there was uh, I didn't quite follow the full thread, but I saw there was the thread right about dropping It's like one of the things we'll do, too, is, is always like as imagining that guy, right, that you're dropping in. in so there's 14 guys you're talking about, like like where your guy is. And, and if he's not obviously if he's not better than the 14th guy, then you're going to just work your way up the list. Right. You keep scratching, you know, kind of crossing him off the list. But um, yeah. I forgot what I was going to say about that, but oh, basically once you have that, so <laughs> once you have that full list and you have like your guy that you're dropping, we will then go and ask, I will force Nick to answer the question every week. I go gun to head who one more drop, who are we going to drop? Cause take that second conditional, like the guy that you don't have the top bid on. Right. And like, uh, you know, let's say this week, for example, if you had Pilkington one and let's say you had Nick Lodolo too. Okay. It'll be like, if Nicola Dolo is too, we don't have an active bid for Nicola Dolo. Let's say, w- would we take Nicola Dolo if he's our number two guy? Who, if you had to drop one more person from our team right now, who would it be? And I make him say a name or he, you know, we make each other say a name and be like, I guess it's Paul Sewell. We're like, would you, would you take Sewell over Lodolo? We think about it for a minute. We say no, but we don't, you know, we kind of go through that exercise of trying to find one more drop for like the second, or I guess in this case, it's just the Nicola Dolo, the second conditional bid on your list. Yep. No, that makes sense. That's a, that's a solid approach, you know. You- and then, and then, once you find the name, and you, if the answer is yes, I would take him in a vacuum. Then you got to say like, okay, well, how much fab is it worth to make that exchange? So, yeah. is Nicolodelo for Paul Sewell? Yes, in a vacuum. Yes, we'll take Nicolodelo. But if it's gonna take 
$60 in fab or $70 in fab to get Nick Lodolo, then do we want to make that exchange? So like, you know, you got to make that kind of. Did you guys get him this week on fab? We got two, we got two Nick Lodolos, I think. Yes. I got one and I lost out on another bid. Yeah. yeah. Lodolo yeah. crew. 25 to three. Lodolo. 25 to three. Shout out to Casey Paul who takes Nick everywhere. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. definitely, definitely. He's, I don't know. He's dude. I was so pissed in the draft season. We were at we we're in the in the draft with Casey Chaw. What what draft was it? Uh, the, there was the diamond yeah. auction. Oh, oh we did, we did two one lines with them. We have two one lines with them. Yeah, we're in in mains with him. Yeah, two mains. Yeah, two mains, and we. We're sitting there and we're taking like, uh, all right, all right. And we took Cade Cavalli. And then uh, like five picks later, whatever it was, Cha took Lodolo. And uh-huh. we, just, we both looked at each uh, other. Jack and I both looked at uh, each other. And like, we made a Cade Cavalli. Cade Cavalli. We made a big mistake. We knew it instantly. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, it, it has played out. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, you know what, though? Don't, don't rule out. Don't don't mark it as a mistake just yet. Just saying. Well, we we, seen we dropped Katie Wallis. Oh, you? Ju- <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, sorry. I thought I thought this maybe in a um no, a no, draft champion. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, because but now so now he's in your pool um as eligible to be drafted though, right? You don't have to wait till he gets called up yeah, um, because he was drafted. So. That's like a sneaky move, you know, like draft guys and then that like reacquire them. Actually, it, that is a very sneaky move. Like if you know it's a guy that you are going to drop in the second week and, and like maybe Cade Cavalli and Nicola Lodolo are not like ex, like great examples because like they were definitely on people's radar at that time. But if there's someone who's just like a little bit beyond where people are not really drafting – uh, that's actually a good move. Like, take him in the 30th. He's your first drop. And then, like, like he's just sneakily in the pool. Yeah. yeah. Let people spend. Hey, I, <laughs> I was trying to find any small victory. And I dropped sale um, real, real kind of early um, in, in my main. And, and that was such an out-of-character pick for me, like a, a stash play at draft. But it was really late. And I – I thought it was like, you know, I'll take the shot right here. You know, like it felt, it felt right. Again, it was one of those gut things where he wasn't really on my radar, but it was at a point where it's like, this guy is so much better than everybody left, you know? So, um, but I, I dropped him, but I, sm- I felt a small victory when like he goes for like 300 and you're like, or whatever, you, you know, do you, mm-hmm. is that any kind of consolation? Like, what, can you validate my fucking feelings? That's what I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. I'm not sure about the feeling about the 300. Uh, I'm only flashing to one time. Uh, Scott just said drop Jeff Samarge in the next week for 125. And Scott was like, what did I do? What is, uh, what's happening here? Um, we, yeah. I mean, I think that, that, yeah, like I was talking about with the Jay McGee thing, like, you know, sometimes the market will kind of tell you how big of a, you know, quote unquote mistake it was. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with like, you know, soaking up those dollars from from somebody else. And more importantly, I think that the big kind of takeaway here is that 
you weren't kind of in, you know, trapped by a previous thought process, right? Like you made a statistic, uh, a calculated risk based on, based on the day that you were dropping him. The rest of the season, that was basically day one of the season, whenever you dropped him and looking forward, you thought the best, best path was to cycle that roster spot. So hat tip to you. Cheers. How's that? Yeah. I, I fucking love it. You love it. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. Thank I, you. I, you know how people would just you know how long we held Bobby Witt last year? I, 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 we all might season. still be holding him. Is he still on our roster? It felt like all season. It was. It was at least five months, or at least four months, probably four and a half. Yeah, and just I think, like I think in in August we finally we finally like, just waved waved the white flag and just <laughs> yeah. what a depressing. And then you do it, and the next week he goes for five dollars, you know. And then yeah, it just like this. Some somebody else is thinking the same way we are. It's like oh maybe yeah. And and it's just so hard to quantify. Um, the, the toll that that takes it's just uh emotional and and statistically <laughs> emotionally and statistically that's a that's a t-shirt i think you know that's yeah yeah that's that's insane i love that emotionally and statistically or maybe like man that would be like a great it would be a great everything great podcast name great name of a website you should start it up. <laughs> I've got big it. ideas coming out of here. Did I think this is my last podcast? Like ever? I'm only on here. You're like the the all right the, the, Roy, Fi- the, the Roy Firestone of, of uh, podcasting, <laughs> fantasy baseball podcasting. I had to do it. Dude, if Scott Jen said asked me on his podcast, I'm going on, but no, well, Scott, I know, open invite. I know that I know that Jeff, Jeff will never let that happen. <laughs> <laughs> Nick Sackett? No, no. Sorry. <laughs> the Dikembe finger? Yeah, exactly. Well, no, <laughs> the nicest, per- nicest person in the world. Honestly, uh, swear to God, the nicest person. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I, we got to drop some dimes, and the first thing I got to do is drop some dimes on myself. I gave uh, some shit to Jeff in Vegas for letting uh, Byron Buxton go by. So that Toby could draft him. Mm, I heard the story. Yeah, yeah, but at but as it has turned out thus far, I think Will Smith, who Jeff took, has been better. I don't know this for a fact. I, I'm not looking at their sets, but I think he's been better than Byron Buxton. So fucking pro- props to Jeff to stick into his guns mm-hmm. on that pick. I think a lot of it, it wasn't so much directed at Jeff. It was just like kind of shocked that he had gotten that far. Yeah, that, that, and yeah. that's true. I wasn't giving Jeff shit per se it was just like a shock that that fucking toby got got yeah yeah by at the end of the fourth round what are these guys half these guys asleep yeah i remember like um getting a discord message and i like got buxton at whatever it was like 57 or something oh so it was 57 right and uh um i remember looking at him like motherfucker you know like good grab you know like yeah yeah right <laughs> the old the old in-game like look what i got you know and you're like motherfucker yeah. you know yeah, yeah. like you know we'll, sh- <laughs> we'll, sh- we'll share pictures of like you know you know last you know last 10 like round 12 through 24 of draft champions and like everyone's like drooling like you know it's so you get so much satisfaction over like y'all get my last you know 12 guys have just picked and it's it's cool. It's a, it's cool to be able to share it and get feedback too. Like, what are you doing drafting this guy? <laughs> he stinks. <laughs> yeah, you're like, does he really? You know, uh, it helps. But you know, I think it's fun taking snapshots of teams or 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 just like you know, relaying to each other who you just drafted. 
Because uh, it's cool. It's it's cool to get the instant feedback. Yeah, let's let's look at Slack's uh, number three overall uh, draft champions team right now. Speaking of Is it three, uh, three, old Custer, old Custer, number three overall. Oh, Custer, what is that name about, old Custer? <laughs> random, I got some random names in here, uh, Rob. Yeah, Slack is, the, uh, Slack is the king of just like random ass names. Random ass names, yeah. The, it, uh, it is fun though, reading some random ass names. You know, I mean. It's it's good times. It's one of my favorite things to do as I'm like looking at Fab or, or just looking through the overalls. It's like, wow, look at these. Look at these great names you see here. <laughs> and by the way, I, I do want to, whoever the guys are that are the Green Mountain Boys. I grew up in Vermont. Virgin, shout out to Virgin's Vermont. What up, Vermont? Vermont. <laughs> like I'm, I always look at their team and I just want to reach out to them and be like, hey guys, where in Vermont are you from? <laughs> like such dork. <laughs> your Vermont listener, your Vermont numbers are gonna be through the roof on this. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a you got met, it, you got metric on that by state? You got a metric on, on that by state? Uh, no, no, I don't. I should get it, right? I should get it by state. I got it by country. Um, age group, what else? Uh size show. No. Um <laughs> so, yeah, I don't get that 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 hype. It was I should though. I should be able to. But uh um so tell me about your third place draft champion team. What would What's going on with it? What'd you do right? Uh, it's uh, it's on a little heater right now, mm-hmm. which which is always appreciated. Uh, as I look at the draft, first of all, uh, Old Custer is from uh, Royal Tenenbaums, uh, by the way. It's, oh it's the, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's okay. it's, uh, it's the the title of the book that he was uh, the Owen Wilson character was writing. Motherfucker, <laughs> you. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I mean, look. I mean, Keston here is on here. Like, I'm surprised that hasn't paid off yet in the 26th. Uh, but like seriously, I think the the picks that so far are good. Obviously, Cease in the sixth. I think he's gonna come around. Alcantara, Sandy in the third. Started with Harper Machado, Rysel, eh, a little shaky now. Riamuto in the fifth. Kimbrel in the seventh. I got a lot of Kimbrel early in draft season. I thought he was gonna get traded. Uh, doesn't look great, but uh, allegedly he was reworking the mechanics. Varsho in the eighth. Lemayhew's in there, and then Ashby in the nineteenth. And then right. Michael Walker, your boy Michael Walker in the 30th. Oh, yeah. Kyle Wright, Kyle Wright in the 44th, <sighs> McKenzie Gore in the 45th. So those two are not uh, not bad. Taylor that's, Walls. Yeah. That's, hey, gotta mention, listen, listen, <laughs> I love Taylor Walls. I'm gonna drop Taylor. a dime though. I'm gonna drop a dime right now. Dropping a dime. I I'm love Taylor it. Walls. Uh-huh. I have him on a lot of teams, right? But after you, after you hit me with Kyle Wright, you know, and fucking Mackenzie Gore, don't slip in Taylor Walls, all right? Just end it on Gore. <laughs> I know. I, uh, I know. I get so excited by his one steal. He's he's got two. I I had him active for three steals, one twelve average. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I there, there was a week with all those steals. Those were on my bench too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like oh, he's stealing bases. He's better than Robles, who I have mm-hmm. in a lot of DCs. Um. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's got a little little spunk to it. It's gonna be the the can the closers hang on? Is there enough speed? And uh, Ian Happ, your boy, uh, Med Rosario Love stole two bases, yay, uh, yesterday. Yeah, you know, yeah, those guys, those guys can uh, show some life. Oh, Garrett Hampson, because it's uh, another year of me drafting. <gasps> <laughs> Every year, 
every year, every year. that's a, it's like a yearly uh tradition at least on one team yeah, yeah. i think i felt like i was slow and i was like ah maybe and i don't know what happened i think it was because a new story was gone and i was like ah, maybe there's a shot and that was in the 18th round but yeah every year we get dms from scott jensen saying don't drop garrett hampson he sucks <laughs> And then and he, he, every, he gets, he gets a response email saying too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> sorry about it. <laughs> sorry, Scott. Sorry, Scott. Always disappointed. And Robles too. Always kind of a sucker for like, ah, good steal of 20 bases. Yeah, no, he's, he's done. He's a dud. But, but when I tried to sell slack on Jorge Mateo this year, I got the, I got the fucking cold shoulder. Ooh. I can't hit. Guy can't hit. Listen, I don't know. I tried to sell him. No, Rob, tried it. Rob, I tried to sell him. I could not. And this is a speed whore over here. Yeah. Me. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I was I was in. I was in. I just we just tried to try to get a little cute at times and, and we had him close to uh Ramon Loriano in terms of a rank. Uh and and then we tried to kind of push it a couple times and and uh ended up with no Mateo. Pain, you, you know what? Out of um Guys with 50 or more batted balls this year. Um, he is one, two, three, four, five, six, 10th in positive difference from his max EV this year to his previous high, 1.8. So, yeah. listen, gonna- I know a lot of people try to put the kibosh on max EV. It's nothing but their homers. Yeah, well, there's a lot of other things that, you know, that helps when you hit it that hard. It doesn't just, you know, everyone was trying to debunk the whole link to the homers, but keep harping on that. Don't focus on what else it helps and uh, live that lane, you know, because I'll succeed, you know, doing, using it instead of shunning it. Um, but I don't know. It might have something. Here. Might, listen, huh? I mean, what's it, Nick? Fire. Yeah. 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 It's, 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 I'm um, fucking Khaleesi. I can go into, you know, Daenerys Stormborn, if I want to, just ride the dragon and breathe the town down. But I'm not going to. I'll use my energy for good things, you know? Yeah, I, I want that. to be a good yeah. king. Uh-huh. <laughs> no, uh, uh, Jorge Mateo, where is he drafted next year? Or, or where would he be drafted right now if we were drafting right now? Right now, I mean, the guy's playing all the time maybe maybe he can grab if he can get into that sneaky eight to ten homers with the speed i mean you probably have to try to grab him in the top 15 rounds maybe yeah i was thinking like maybe even more i mean i wouldn't take him higher but i think that you know like in that range or would he go higher like i mean the, the average is is what will keep the price reasonable right but i think you're looking 13th round 14th round yeah, I mean it's pretty fair. I mean, he's playing too. Uh, that's the biggest thing. But, um, yeah. So get and and and, and listen. We want to know who who who's who's number one. Uh, actually, sorry, he's number number four on this list for max uh, max EV uptick. Louisa Rise, baby, three point one. Boom, one hundred seven three max EV this year. His previous max was one hundred four two. Just let the guy play all the time. He's like Ty fucking Cobb, right? You're not wrong. You know, like 
How much? <laughs> Minus the racism, I hope. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's got a comment about that. Talk to like, oh man, I love first, second, third. Like he plays everywhere. He's eligible everywhere, and he's like, man, he's he's really. I know average. You know, he's really been a, a huge anchor for average. And and I think I think he's gonna develop into this sneaky pop, sneaky pop. That's gonna mm-hmm. be like. Uh, I should just do a whole pod. I want to drop a dime. I want to drop a dime. Uh, a couple years ago, we were drafting, and uh, Sean Childs took uh, Tim Anderson, and Tim Anderson average was garbage the year before. Uh, so it was coming into Tim Anderson's uh, first breakout year, and we're, we go twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah, twenty nineteen, yeah. and we go, uh, Sean, like. Why are you why are you jumping Tim Anderson so much? The guy has a lot of swing and miss. Swear to God, he looks his dead in the eye and he goes, Tim Anderson's average is gonna pop this year. And we we looked at each other like this motherfucker is crazy. <laughs> Tim Anderson went off. <laughs> Hit 240 in 2018, 335 in 2019. Just just Unreal. straight up skilled that move right there uh-huh his babbit in 2018 was 289 in, in 2019 399 yeah unreal wow guy. um i love it i love it uh you you did say um oh, you know, shit. About, bit, what's wrong uh i gotta yeah jump all right um kds for the w let's talk about this topic Let's do it. KDS. What do you got Um, on the KDS? Is this a, is this an amazing KDS story? I mean, you don't even say there's like a break in the action. Like, Hey, we're back with, you know, there's like a commercial. Did you do a commercial or anything like an ad? No, no, no. Like there's, there was just a gap of yeah 30 minutes or whatever. How I felt like a while. Um, I was outside in the rain, but four minutes, um, four minutes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I guess, you know, I guess that's where I lack in my radio skills is, is bringing the people back in, but they weren't anywhere anyway. Like the, you know, (laughs) they just, they weren't with us on that break. So you all know, Rob had to go put a cover on his Jeep, so it didn't get more soaked than it already was. Yep, basically. But it's uh, the beauty. Yeah. It's, KDS. It's the, yeah, KDS. Go. KDS. Uh, generally speaking, we like to hit the like fourth or fifth spot from the ends. Okay. Slack will get into it, but... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it, but I, I, I am kind of of the opinion that like your first, first or second or third round, like targets can override that. Slack is hardcore. Let's stay at the four or five spot. Go ahead, Slack. Tell sounds them why. Like, <laughs> sounds like a disgruntled uh, partner right here. Um, <clears throat> all right, so you got the theory right. <clears throat> which uh of drafting at the ends did rob leave is it easy okay no, no i just uh, <laughs> can, can we please get the, the top on this jeep do i need to call somebody <laughs> uh okay for kds right you got like the idea of um you know a lot of times you hear like the discussion like hey you want to make sure you kind of plan out your pitching or like hey look at who you might get in the first few rounds you know not go too deep um from like a philosophical approach, you have the guys on the, uh, on the ends, right? Especially, you know, the 15, the 15, 16 turn, right? People that want to impose their will from, from the ends, right? Um, 
I do think that um, I think that the, the, the stated you know advantage of that is that you get a lot of like roster construction going on, right? So you're able to do that in the middle, uh, like let's say eight, right? Like you have the maximum and Scott Jen said is, is, is really good at this is like getting those guys. You actually maximize your chances for value. If, if you just go by strictly ADP guys that would follow you, if you're in the eight spot, right? So there's 14 picks in between you. And then you would like, if, if all you did was just go off ADP and like on a value spreadsheet, you should be able to just pick off the best value as it comes to you. The problem with that is that is it like roster construction standpoint, right? Like you pick a guy and I was listening to, you know, James Anderson in the off season podcast talking about, he had uh, it was like between like a hitter or like class a, I think it might've been in the third. And he's like, um, no, no idea who's going to come back. And, and that's when it hit me. I was like, that's right. Like, and you have no idea when you pick an eight, you're like, you just don't have any, any real clue. And so it's, it's tough from a roster construction standpoint. I know some people say that, Hey, it helps you avoid the runs. Um, I think that might be like a carryover kind of concept from like back when there were 25 like legit closers and that they would either all go off in the seventh or eighth or ninth or whatever it was. And you just want to be in the middle. So you did, got at least one of them. Now there's like six closers. Um, if that, and uh, you know, probably a little bit more, but you got my point. My point was, it's like, I think that kind of that concept is, is maybe people that draft in the eight can maybe, you know, test to that. But like, I, I don't know if the, the closer run or any run at all really exists. Long story short, being at the four, five, 11, 12 kind of allows you to look to your left. Uh, I mean, if you're at four, let's say you, you kind of look to your left and kind of gauge what's there. And so you're still able to like, capitalize on some value. And while at the same time, kind of use some of the same roster construction kind of like concept, you know, abilities. Right. And so you'll be like, okay, we need a first baseman. You look to your left. None of those three have a first baseman, but we also need speed. Well, you know, we know that if we don't get the first baseman here, it's not going to come back. So you have a, a pretty good way to kind of look and say, what can we push, you know, kind of, kind of being able. And so that's why we do use um, sometimes the, to the, you know, amazement and frustration of others, the full minute on the clock, you know, most of the time. So we'll kind of look at it and kind of just say like, so we're thinking about what are we going to do on the way back? What can we get away with? And then make the pick from there. So I just think that's one of the things that um, my long-winded way of saying that, that the KDS uh, we kind of, and, and there might be like a self, like, I don't know if self-fulfilling is the right part of this, but like, because we continue to do it and, and maybe have some success with it. Um, like we kind of think it works, but yeah, I think it's where we're definitely the most comfortable. Nice. I like that. Yeah. Definitely. I don't know where you're comfortable um, drafting from. And so it's, uh, it, it's cool. how Everyone has the different preferences of where they like to be, what kind of, you know, way they visualize that, you know, everything lining up to be, but um I, I don't know. I feel like I like drafting somewhere in the middle, um, but I don't mind where I draft from. I think every draft is its own animal. It takes on its own, you know, thing. And uh, things don't always line up the way you think it's going to. And <clears throat> if you're not ready to be a little, what's that word? Malleable. I like trying to sound smart mm -hmm. sometimes. Malleable. Love it. Bam. Yeah. You know, got to be malleable. I, I, I think in the DCs, it really matters a lot less because the time is not an issue. Mm -hmm. So I think it's more than like the one minute clock where we we generally just feel comfortable in that spot. It gives us enough time on the way out, you know, where, where we're, let's say we're, you know, uh, eight picks out 
uh, I'm sorry, 12 picks to the end and then 12 picks back. So we're 20, you know, 23, 24, 24, three picks away. It gives us enough time to kind of map out our next two picks while still giving those next two picks enough, like leeway to get value and like slack sled, like map out that comeback pick on what could come back to us. Yep. Absolutely. Love it. Yeah. Brian, you, you kept saying looking left. Is it because like you're Zoolander and you can't turn right? <laughs> I've not, I've not seen Zoolander, but no, I'm just imagining the, the You've draft not seen right Zoolander? now. I've not, I've not been on my resume. Man. I'll fix Dude. that. I'll fix that. All right. That's Dude, fine. I've been telling him to watch a one full of the cuckoo's nests for like 10 years and he still hasn't seen it. So like, he's not going to watch Zoolander if he hasn't already. Mm. Just keep watching. I just keep rewatching uh, Synecdoche, New York. It remains of the day. <laughs> uh, Uplifting films, guys. That's what it's about. Um, but no, I, I think Nick actually, yeah, had a good point. It, it's like, because if you're making them at the end, you're really making one decision that is two pronged. But if you're in the middle, you're making, you know, one decision at a time, 30 different times, you know, so you're actually making as partners, you have to kind of reevaluate a lot of stuff, you know, um, yep. make sure you're kind of on the same page a little bit. And you're like, you make a decision, like, oh, what does that do to my team? And you, again, you don't know what's coming back. And so you kind of have to prep for a lot of things and it can get on, you know, can get on us pretty quickly as partners. So I do think that the partnership angle helps for what I'm talking about. And DCs, yeah, like the time and they're also softer. Like we don't use a, uh, like, we don't even keep projections of where we are. I will write out the batting average and steals for each header we get, but that's it. And like, you know, we're not like doing like projections where we sit and everything. So like we're piecing this together, a lot of it by feel. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, that's, it's a very tight rope in the main where where every pick is very tight. And so um, DCs, like you can get away with it. Like if I started four hitters, right. uh, In a DC, I'm not like, so sure i you know couldn't still piece the pitching together whereas like if i do it in a main i'm really you know really pushing pushing myself because like things have to really go right like things could go sideways and you end up you know with uh you know bad bad starting pitching basically i was going to use some examples of nicks but i I, I took a high road there (laughs) (laughs) and you wonder why i'm thinking am i not not merciful cliff lee anyway continue oh I like to do, Sorry. I like to, you know, hey, to be fair, that was a fucking sideways draft. Come on. <laughs> one thing you I like, like to do, do, what? I'm sorry, Rob. One thing I like to do during like the draft champions is, um, I'll try to keep track of, um, like, uh, the, the way Chandler does his babs. It's like he, he just wants the roster X amount of power bats, X amount of speed on a team. It's just looking at the percentile first the league in, in that skill, you know, and, and, and hitting like, and then just look at the recent run environment and try, I just try to like think about how many power assets they'd need, you know, not, not trying to, I'll look at the projection too. Like I try to mix both of them because I like both angles of it. I like both trying to look at it both ways, you know? Um, so. Can I give you a, a little look behind the curtain? We never look at the projections when we're drafting. Yeah. Like it's a all feel. Yeah. Uh like what what would you say? Yeah, batting average and speed. Yeah, speed, mm. you know, you gotta keep track of the speed, but it's all feel. Yeah. Uh and I don't know why that works or or maybe it doesn't. And if we you know 
looked at projections, we'd be way better. Who knows? Man, I, I think I think honestly, like that's that's probably an interesting question for like anybody that's had kind of had some successes. Like you look at your your when I talked about self awareness, right? Knowing what we do and what like it, it does, what it means when we don't do certain things. Like I wonder if you know. Thankfully, Nick and I have like these ideas to kind of bounce each you know off each other. But I wonder if some of the success is almost despite ourselves. You know what I mean? Like it's, I think that's kind of a very difficult question is like the sample size is usually, it's still too small. I mean, we've done probably 30 mains, you know, but like, and that's probably on the high side for a lot of people. Like, um, you know, I'm- Oh shit, like when do your, when does your league skills stabilize? Like we always talk about stable, stabilization. I knew you would dig that. Rob, your face lit up, you dork. Your face just completely lit up. Oh, that's right. When would they stabilize? Yeah, I think we need at least 70 mains, 75 mains for us to like actually determine whether or not our our skills are valid. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I do. I think about like, yeah, some of the, like, you know, if we had a different approach and, yeah. Uh, right now, like I said, we're just trying to incorporate some of the newer, newer stuff. Uh, yeah. Take me up the ladder and down the ladder, Brian. Up the ladder, down the ladder. So uh, that, for those that don't know, thing? Rob and I are in a dynasty league. Yeah, pretty much. I don't know where I came up with it. I was like, I think somebody, cause I trade, basically I trade, I'm in two dynasty leagues, uh, but the one I'm in with you was my first one. And Dylan is in there. Uh, Toby and, and, and some others, uh, Lucas. And we, what happens is I kind of come up with this patented patented approach. It's sure to be successful for any dynasty manager or aspiring dynasty manager master manager is um, basically (laughs) I'm trying to come up with a thought here, basically up the ladder, down the ladder. You're always kind of, you never pin yourself in. Right. So I've seen some people that, that tear down their team and they just take it down the studs and all they have is young guys. And so they're not able to trade for, like another owner that might be undervaluing their kind of mid mid aged asset. Use Christian Yelich as an example, right? Like because I might be down on Christian Yelich, or because you might be down on Christian Yelich, I can't trade for him because I'm only going with younger prospects. So you kind of eliminate half of your ability to kind of extract value uh, for some of these guys. So bike and, and up the ladder, down the ladder, up the ladder would just be like trading for more vets, and down the ladder would be you know trading for more prospects. So in this league. Um, I'm actually doing okay, but I'm still actually chipping down, right? I'm like trading for prospects, trading for Corbin Carroll, Grayson Rodriguez, you know, why? Cause I think I'm going to be able to get, I think, first of all, I think the current market value, which includes long-term is better right now. Knowing that I think I'll be able to get more for them later. Now probably won't win the league this year, but, um, you know, if the right offer comes along right now, I could make a move pretty quickly, um, to get some of the things. So up the ladder, down the ladder is basically just don't pin yourself in, like always be open to, going up and trading for more prospects or down for, I'm sorry, up for more vets, down for more prospects. That was a sweet deal. Corbin for him, Melendez. Yeah. 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 That, was, I, uh, uh, that worked. That was a, was a little bit of a head scratcher. Yeah. For me. That, I know. I know. Um, that's that, fine. Hey, listen, yeah, yeah. Hey, you, you put in the work and you make, you make it happen. That's it. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You oh, so are be- you going to give me, are you going to give me Julio? Look at my team right now. Think about it. No. I, 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 why? I have I'm definitely, I'm, I'll tell you who I'm definitely not taking. That's Juan Soto. Uh-huh. uh-huh. The goat. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's overrated. He's on the table. He's over, mm-hmm. He walks too much. He limits his, his opportunities. You know, mm-hmm. I, I don't like that. Swing away, kid. Come on. You can, you can blend I, it in. Got- you can blend it in. And, and you know what? I'm tired of the shuffle. I watch a lot of the games. He's like Vladi Divac. 
getting the calls from the ump. <laughs> it comes by his eyes, and not even by his eyes. It comes like a little bit off a plate, and he he pulls back like 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 there's there's a bullet flying by his eyeball, and the and the ump like I don't know he just sucks in a lot of calls like that too, and it drives me nuts. Drives Rob, me nuts you because you don't appreciate the, the little showmanship. You want to talk? He's. I know why you're trying to say. I know why you're trying. I know why you're trying to give him to me, because the robo ump's are coming, and he's not going to get away with that. And he's going (laughs) to. I yeah, you got the robo ump in your model already, motherfucker. What what happens? What happens when he adjusts and he starts swinging more? When the robo cuts and he just starts smashing 45, 50 homer. Your whole argument just fell on its face, Rob. How does that feel right now? Shit. (sighs) I still can't have him on the team because of the shuffle. Mm -hmm. And I and I love Julio Rodriguez. I I I just like his his whole thing going on. And he's my guy, you know. Came into the league, grabbed him and wit, and uh decided right off, you know, first first experience with deep, deep dynasty league. Just many teams and, um, you know, everyone's pretty active. And I was like, all right, right off the bat, I knew what I wanted to do. You know, I was like, I never had the opportunity to start, like, with all these young guys. And it was cool to uh, stockpile them in the, um, the the draft, the initial draft, and then trying to trade for some more. And But I felt, like, a little bit too, like – I didn't like seeing 18 next to my team name in the standings, even though I knew it was a process. So I want to kind of try to get to the middle of, uh, of the league, you know? So it, it, and it's cool just trying to make moves to get there. And that was my goal was 10th right now. I'm 10th. So I'm pretty happy with it. I got, uh, you know, got Josh Naylor from Dylan. That was great. You're going to lead with Josh Naylor. You're going to talk about how great your team is by leading with Josh Naylor. Uh, <laughs> But it's my point, right? Because I, I think he's a little bit older, but I know Ian Happ is. You got an Ian Happ deal, right? And like Ian Happ, that deal wouldn't have been in your range last year, right? Because you right. were just going like down, 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 you know? So I think that you got a good deal, Ian Happ. And now like, you know, if another deal came by, like, and for it was, it was for more prospects, um, you know, say Josh Naylor for some prospects. Yeah, you know, you could do that if you thought you were getting more, more value because yeah, it can happen quickly. Yeah, and it's fun. It's fun to try to project these things forward and um you know, you, you make very tactical moves in this league that, uh, you know, you obviously have a valuation system like way beyond what I do. And you're able to pinpoint guys that you want and you go out and get them. Um, like when you offer for a guy on my team, and I'm like, what does he see in him that I don't, you know, you know, what did you hear that I didn't hear? But, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty psyched because, um, you know, obviously, I, I had 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 Adley too. Um, also, going with William Contreras, so I'm pretty excited about this mm. team. With um, Julio Rodriguez, um, I traded for Contreras too, so I'm pretty happy about that. And 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 I still got Riley Green, um, that I think is gonna give me a huge bump too. And Pete Crow Armstrong is gonna be up like two years. Mm, Plus, this guy David Villar is is gonna yeah. come up and 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 bump the throw that out onto the Robo Scout. Pointing that guy out, but <laughs> hat tip like, to the robots. Yeah, hat tip to the guy who's in our league who develops uh, a formula for me to bid guys on. It's so great against him in our league. Against, yeah. against him in our league. Yeah, yeah. And then and then he's like congratulates me on the like you know win too. Like he's he's so awesome. He's like great great ad. I'm like, <laughs> yep, you betcha. <laughs> so yeah. I'm excited and, and you know I'm 
the biggest move I made was trading for Manoa, giving up Carroll and the uh, the third pick in the draft, which I think ended up being Watson. Watson. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, I thought it was worth it. I, I wanted like a nice solid anchor. Um, I felt like I had some offensive guys that would, you know, start blending in soon and uh, maybe gave up a little too much to get Springer. I kind of like really gave up on Gore maybe too early. He was like almost like a throwing piece that's obviously asking more you know, than a thrown piece. So I probably failed a little there. Um, but, you know, we got Glenn Otto and uh, <laughs> uh, all bets are off. Have we talked, have we talked about Kelenic and Yelich? Sure. Yeah. yeah which, which, which side, which side do you like in that? I like Yelich. Um, I think that uh, I guess I just would probably expect his, even if you get like 280, 18-10 from Yelich, I still feel like it's going to be way more valuable than what you can get for Kalanick in the next, I don't know, three, four years that he'll probably do that in. Um, but maybe that's not a good way of looking at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, do yeah, you, I, uh, what do you see in the Kalanick I mean, The air bars are huge. Yeah, the air bars right. are huge. I'm trying to think of like examples where, I mean, the one thing that was kind of appealing about Kellenic, you know, this is this is as low. This is what it looks like to buy low. I mean, there's just no real reason to get like, oh, this could happen. But <clears throat> I think, you know, when you mentioned Gore just a second ago, like there was, I mean, less than a year ago, people were just like, don't touch this guy, you know. Um, former pedigree, top prospect, good walk rates. I think it was the, the walk rates in the minor. I'm sorry, the, the lack of strikeouts in the minors. Like <clears throat> maybe that would happen. I'm just trying to think of like rack my band of like other. He was, you know. And I'm not the number one prospect, obviously not a, a really a prospect guy, but just like with that pedigree comparisons to Julio and like um, pretty much written up everything you would read about him just like kind of really look like legitimate major league star type thing. And I like, man, it still feels early. I know that the numbers could not be any worse right now, but um, I'm just trying to think of, of guys like, I mean, I know Adele has, has kind of really flamed out a little bit in terms of his, his prospect star. But that, like, he had swing and miss issues. I'm trying to think of like who kind of, who would be the comp, and I'm sure somebody will, you know, correct us in the show notes. <laughs> but like, like I'm trying to think who the who the comp is that is like, you know, has busted so hard, you know. And yeah, like you said, he's 20, like 22 maybe. Like it could be another couple of years. So, right. And I thought, and I thought that all we need is one Christian Yelich on the IL with the back spasms, and I can't trade Christian Yelich at that point. Like at that point, yeah, he would still have his own value, kind of like what you were saying. He could still put up numbers, but it would have to be on my team because at that point, trying to trade a 30-year-old with back problems is um, – Right, in, right. At least in the yeah, – You've had future time. value. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I guess too, though, like – so my thing with Kalnick is, you know, maybe not even worried about the physical part of baseball, but right now, like, you know, you, you – it, it's rare that one of your teammates is also a top prospect and he, you know, he outplays you and you lose your job, you know, like not to him per se, but you, I think that there's mental thing going forward for him that he's going to have to get over, you know, like they sent him down to avoid getting abused in New York because maybe a weekend in New York would have threw him more down into the basement. No, who knows? But that's just him as a player. Me, I think I've, I try to put myself in his place. Like, oh man, like, what do I got to do to get back? And hopefully he has it in him to get past it. 
you know, mm-hmm. it's been historically yeah. bad. Yeah. Historically bad. Yeah. I agree. And, yeah. and yeah, I'm not expecting it. Um, I mean, probably not even fully expecting it long-term, but like, I think the odds are at least there's a range where that it works itself out next there's year. A range. Yeah. That's two years. Yeah. Down the right. yeah. That sweet spot. He's going to come up. He's going to have nine good games and you probably can reel in some, you know, You'll reel in so, somebody. I know that's it. That's what I'll do. Exactly. Yeah. Like, Former number, form number one prospect. Exactly. Yeah. Of course, if any of these league mates are listening. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, a good little stretch. Be like, look. Uh, uh, people get excited about this again. You know? I, I remember there was some Twitter chatter about how Slack was just fleecing people in some league. I don't know. I, I don't partake in these leagues. But uh, <laughs> no, that, no, that was it was Rob fleecing me. He got me. He got me good last year because I was chipping up. I decided to make a little, little run in my these guys, up the ladder phase. These guys in the top of the leagues is, is they're so stacked. They're so stacked. And that's why there is a lot to go into how much, like when to go forward more, you know, and in, in my eyes, like, do, do, you know, how, what can I do now? What should I wait to do? Um, it's because really like this top four or five teams is just really, really solid. Like, I can only dream of some of the guys you start in this league. <laughs> I try to do this first, this league first. So when I go in, even to the main event, I'm just like, okay, so many players now. You know, I feel, I feel like it can't end off on on real fake because then I I I I'd be miserable. Like, who's left in this league to be on? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. God, you know that you go to the L14 and the guy leading plate appearances has six. You know, like what the fuck? <laughs> it's pretty sparse. Only this guy's available. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty yeah. thin. It's pretty thin. So it's different to play in a league like that. But um, yeah, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. Um, I think we talked a lot about how like Dynasty League just go can go bad, right? Very quickly. I think we even like threw out some ideas to each other, like how you can make it so everyone stays involved. You know, there's no. There's no meatball parmesan offer and you uh, Pete Alonzo for Wit and J-Rod, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You need a blend of all all the good things. Didn't uh, James Anderson come up with some, some parameters for a new uh, Dynasty League that that really focused on, like, fairness and guys staying involved, et cetera? I, I heard, I'm not a Dynasty guy, but I heard a podcast with him talking about a whole bunch of, like, and like they're taking yeah. applications for it for the league. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. What was that the Highlander? That, or something? High, yeah, the Highlander. There's some kind of deal where I think I don't know all the details, but like when the team, uh, the more successful you are, you have to kind of throw some guys back. So I don't think those top teams can hoard as much talent, and you kind of like designate certain like fan favorite guys that you can't trade for some reason. Uh, but yeah, I don't know much. It seems like it was a good concept from what. Yeah, I trust James. <laughs> basically <laughs> he says it's a good idea we'll be like yeah probably <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah i can see i can see how these things get so top heavy that man um once the teams are kind of set a little bit it's it's, it's kind of hard to to see a quick demise yeah yeah it's it, it's especially when you look at some of the games played or the at-bats from like the last guy you know it's just like unbelievable oh my god you have this little uh man but uh, it's fun. It's fun. I think once, once uh, I think there's ways to probably improve it that we haven't even thought about yet. And I think playing it more, probably 
more things will pop up in my head. Like we we did an offshoot of my home keeper league. We we started up a dynasty league um, when you know the pandemic hit. I put everything together on fan tracks. Like all right, you know it's cool. Started had time, so I was reading more on prospect anyway. So I thought it was cool. Invited some uh, friends and family in, and um, you know it's uh, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun getting to like the whole different aspect of the player pool so and uh it's fun to have groups of players that you probably you know that you're not going to have in the npc you know like yeah Pete like, yeah I love Pete i'm about to make me, an offer when we got the wait, phone like mm-hmm. in in my home league you know like uh, i have you know i just traded for buxton um and you know i have tatis otani Luis robert you know bryce harper so offensive heavy this year um Last year, I had way more top of the line pitching, but um, got gun shy to draft at the available pitching, and it just like pivoted to uh, you know a couple of low dollar arms. Um, it's kind of hurt me on a week to week basic categories, but um, it's uh, you know I just like to try different approaches when it's weeks like that. You know, because you're so methodical in NFC, so you get that chance to be a little creative. You know, play play a different route. You know, like. I don't know, try to try to employ middle relievers in a head to head like week where, you know, utilizing like to have a minimum inning, but, you know, knowing that you'll hit it with like four, five strong pitchers and, you know, just trying different things. And then I love the intricacies of two, like uh, Luis Severino qualifies for, you know, relief pitcher and starting pitcher. Like we have minimums for each day and uh, it, it's fun to try to work that out and, um, you know, it's cool. I feel like everything, every different format of fantasy helped me get better. Yeah, you know? Yeah. 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 I like it too. Yeah. hundred percent. So, and uh, you know, last year, I think like I was donating guys for you and Toby just to like, give me some possible parts. I'll give you some stuff for the fucking stretch run, you know? And that's it. You know, I was like trying to and get those are gross deals. Those are gross deals. I think it's like what Kevin Padlow for Brandon Crawford and Brandon Crawford's like actually having a good year as a 36 year old. No, like, was it Crawford? Yeah, it might have been like, yeah, you gave him Crawford. I didn't believe it. I didn't know about the fucking pitching machine. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like, but that's the type of deal I'm talking about. Like, well, I mean, at least the guy you acquired was like young. You're like, maybe there's something there. And like, you just the age is what you're trading for. Yep. And um, yeah, it seems like a, a pretty gross, gross thing to do. What I was thinking about was, <laughs> in addition to Brandon Crawford, was like this happened in my, my interest in Dynasty kind of was sparked by uh, when, uh, do you remember Boba Bichette got called up at the same time as Kevin Biggio? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. In like, uh, like probably four years ago now, something like that. And like I, my, like I would listen to the, the Clay and James podcast on Wednesdays and like if it, if it wasn't covered there and like, they kind of mentioned it, but like I, for whatever reason, maybe it's cause they were both like had major league dads or whatever, but like, I just didn't know which one was better or, or, or even what their skill sets were. Right. So um, that has been like one of the reasons I was like, I gotta, I gotta understand these prospects. And it kind of played, came into play last year when uh, Vidal Brujan got called up, you know, and he yep. had like a, a really strong start to the season. Right. And I don't know if you saw like on the prospect list, he was like close to the top 10 and some, and then he kind of really cooled off and then he got called up. And then by the time he got called up, I was, you know, at least following it enough to understand the arc of his season and not just be like, Oh my gosh, it's Vidal Bruhan, you know, bid a hundred dollars. So our bids were, you know, 
like very, very, like not even really bids at all, you know, like we just knew we weren't going to get them. So um, this is, I guess, a promotion for dynasty leagues and trying to understand prospects. But yeah, that's one thing <laughs> I do. I just like, I, I like, I just, I like, cause it brings me back to like, I mean, the redraft stuff, you, you draft your players, you try to win and then the year's over this, the dynasty takes me back to like when I was a kid and like just having Jose Cruz Jr. In, or, or like Barry Zito on your farm, like just, you know, as a, as a adolescent, those were just like great times. You're like, you're walking around just like happy as a clam, you know, like I, I got this guy on my farm team, you know, like, um, yeah, this kind of, uh, throws me back to the simpler times. <laughs> I love it. Listen, I that's it the best, best <laughs> narrative I've heard about a dynasty league. It brings you back yeah, I should do, I should to golden do. times. I should do sound bites on this. Amazing. Any dynasty leagues trying to get off the ground, let me know. I'll do their promos for you. Maybe that's what you should do. Maybe you should be a dynasty coach. Like I would hire you as a dynasty coach. I think uh, uh, I think there's a lot of things you could teach me. Um, so <laughs> you have to stop playing all leagues and just coach people. You know? Oh yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Bidding more for Slack services. I do not. Yeah, I do not do well with like the. Uh, well, there's a lot of dynasty questions on on, on Twitter, but uh, they're pretty funny. Uh, what else? <laughs> Don't you love following? Because they're also contextual. They're like, what, what do you mean? What are you doing? Like, you know, and some of them, yeah. And really, like the funny thing to me is that uh, I could list three really good players, like all really good players, and but the best player is on coming back to me, like on your side, right? And without fail, everybody would just say, I'll take the one with the better player. Like, it's like, as long as the as long as the better player, like that's who, who's going to get the votes, in, in my opinion. Um, usually it's like uh, volume, you can get that elsewhere, keep the high-end talent. Keep an eye on that. Maybe uh, just turn you on to something. Just drop a dime on your ass. Drop a dime. You just drop a dime <laughs> on their ass, man. Solid. Yeah. Any other dime you want to drop? I mean, let's... no. Did we explain the concept? Uh, we did in a previous life. <laughs> 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 All right, we'll leave it at that then. And another I'm dimension. Good, man. I got. I got. I got. I got. I uh, got another. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm, I think I've dropped them. I dropped every dime I got. Tell the story. Tell the story. Of the drop of the dimes? Yeah, yeah. Tell us. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it came from, uh, you know, like I've said this for years now, right? Like just to myself and really nobody else ever. It's just in my head <laughs> when when uh, Dave Chappelle is on the uh, Inside the Actor Studio uh, with James Lipton. He's like, I'm dropping dimes tonight, Lipton. And I just like thought that was like, I'm making it rain. Like I'm just like, just making good things happen. You're well, making turns out You're dropping dimes. I'm dropping dimes. Yeah. Dropping dimes. <laughs> a little You're research right. yields. Yeah. 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 A little research yields that it was a way that gangsters are, you know, would rat or snitch on somebody by going through a payphone, putting a dime in the payphone and then writing somebody out. So it was really more like snitching. Whereas I thought it was just like a really kind of catch all making good shit happen type thing. Yeah. So I'm still going to say it as it's a good thing, but it might also mean snitching. So that's where dropping dimes is, is, is happening. All right. As long as you establish clear meaning to you of what a dropping dime is, then we shall honor that, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to honor that for you. Thank to you. me, dropping dime was always for playing basketball. It was like getting a nice assist. That was, that's what my interpretation of it was. That's where my frame of reference for it is. Um, basketball. 
you know, like Mark Jackson style, behind the back. Yeah. 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 That was my brother's favorite player, Mark Jackson. He loved him. He played like him, too, like just ultimate, like, pass, pass. Like, watch that all the time growing up. Like, like love it. Love that approach. Distribute, baby. You know? Yep. Ah. Uh, Nick, what else you got? How do we end up on Mark Jackson? Jesus Christ. <laughs> fucking teardrop, right? He had the teardrop. Oh, God. Do I have any dimes? I don't have any dimes. I had huh? some dimes, but I think they all slipped my mind. Yeah. All right. Had some dimes, but they've all just like melted away as uh, we <laughs> approach uh, the well. hours Wait of the evening. Well. <laughs> All right, give me. I, um, ask you a yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I felt that dime. I feel the dime coming. No, yeah, yeah. Ask me. Ask me something. No, no, no you first. No, no, go ahead, go. It was I'm, gonna, I'm going straight into. I'm going to straight into dietary talk. So you you finish up some baseball talk. Oh, um, man, I, I really did forget the thought. I think it just crept in real quick, and then it just bounced. So shoot oh, away. All right. So now, so now that we've uh, we've run the course here on baseball talk, uh, <laughs> if, if your listeners want to want to slide out, they're they're free to do so. But I want to ask you, as a fellow vegan, um, wondering your uh, road to becoming vegan, because that is what I have heard, or semi vegan, whatever whatever it is, doesn't matter. It, the the per, the point is the uh, the kind of the energy that you put in to your diet uh how long have you been and what made you go um so it's been like no meat for eight eight years um and then held on to like bacon for two weeks after like stopped eating all meat it was just bacon for two weeks and then it just completely stopped and then uh fish was like maybe five years ago i stopped um that was just because I went on my honeymoon to Hawaii. I had fish that someone caught fresh and brought it to their school bus that was in the ground. This was the vending, uh, this was the truck stop. It was amazing. They just, the kid brought the fish up the hill to his mom and she slayed it and made fish and chips. It was amazing. Just all this fish. But anyway, I come back home. I couldn't have fish here ever again. So stop, stop eating it. But, um, I, I, I just got skeeved out by it. We went away, had bad, um, bad food in the Uber or something like that, but uh, didn't feel good. If eating all that all-inclusive meat, inclusive <laughs> meat, uh, basically oh. what it is, you know, it's like you're paying for fucking meat when you basically go away. OD on- <laughs> yeah, yeah, OD on yeah. meat, yeah, yeah, and <laughs> yeah. Oh man, you figured it out. That's what happened. That's really what happened. Um, and yeah, so uh, came home and 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 tried to cook a couple of things um turkey burgers um i like chop those up i go inside of it and then i would i open up the turkey and i just like kind of threw up into the sink it was weird it's a weird feeling um i was totally skeeved out by everything about it it was weird it's just and then the next night same thing with that it's a traumatic experience yeah it was traumatic and my wife looked at me like are you okay i'm like i can't really feel it like i can't touch that it's disgusting and um, then the next night, same thing. I would make a chicken stir fry, and uh, it just really strange. Like I took out the chicken, and I just looked at it, and 
well, you just look at it. Um, <laughs> so I, I love that meme. I love that guy at Bassmaster, Bassmaster. Um, and, and I just like, you know, I saw like just veins and stuff. And I'm like, this thing used to be alive. And yeah, now yeah, it's not. Yeah. And it's like, oh, the texture. And I, again, just threw up. Like, but this time I saw the indicator. I saw why my brain triggered that. You know, the second time around, they, I just got that little bit of a frame of reference. Like all these feelings came in at the same time. And I explained it to my wife what happened, like what went through my mind in like 16 seconds, you know, yeah. all these things I've always thought of in my life and how I just completely thought about it differently. Just like everything yeah. made sense to like what I wanted to think about going forward. And um, pretty, it's pretty crazy, you know, I could have four dogs too. So it's like, I saw this thing on like, you know, like um, how your brain gets wired for things that like we get sensationalized to and dogs have been like, you know, the, brought them into our homes as pets, but lots of people have all animals as pets and like, you know, then, then you go down the rabbit hole of, of like, you know, you, you start to realize like all these bad ways they bring meat to people's tables, you know, it's like, it's cool if people, you know, you're not going to stop people from eating meat, but um, it's tough to see those images and like kind of go back to it. And uh, that was a bad stretch of like three days when my wife's like, you got to stop looking at those videos. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you know, like it's really Dude, it's bad. My, it's, my, it's my job. And I stopped watching those videos. It's yeah. Part of my job, but I can't, you know, it's too taxing, but like once you open that, once you open that, like, once it hits you like that, like it did, like you're just explaining, it's hard to like put it back in and just like go on like you were, you know, like nothing. Like you never right. realized what the heck you're eating and partaking in, et cetera. Like, yeah, like we have a garden and, and we love to grow eggplants. And my mom lives downstairs from me, my wife. And, you know, she, she always loved to whip up like an eggplant parm, you know. So she was like, just give me the cheese that you guys use. And, all this stuff. And so sometimes though, she'll like, um, sometimes she just like browns them and seasons it, but sometimes she'll like bread it, you know, so make like a little bit of an egg wash, but it's like my, like, that's the biggest uh, exposure I have to like anything, you know, that, that way. So sometimes I'll, I'll cheat with that because, you know, mom makes it and she already accommodates me in so many ways. So and sometimes she'll run yeah. out of our cheese if she makes her homemade pizza, which is like banging. And, uh, you know, she's like, she, you know, she's like, I'm out of your like cheese. So I made a couple of slices, but I didn't put much cheese on it. You know, she's like, yeah. you still yeah. have it. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I was like, okay, you know, but it, it, it's not often and it's no more meat, you know, just, uh, it's, it's not about like those hardline rules. It's about the general approach. Yeah. So. Just, yeah. 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 General approach just the awareness of, you know, you know, of it's just crazy. We can end a whole bunch of like you know, like <laughs> they have feelings too, and they have you know emotions and feel things. You know, that's why my favorite videos are when the cows are on the way to the slaughterhouse and they're like trying to bounce on the highway on the turnpike. They're like, "Get me the fuck out!" You know, like, <laughs> let me live. You know, yeah, yeah, dude. Once once you start oh, looking at that shit, it's hard to undo it. It's hard to unsee it. Yeah. And that's, like I said, especially just being with my dog. So just like, you know, just like, obviously 
it's just like why 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 are these like innocent things being killed you know like for no reason but it's all good I, i'm not like um the i think one one thing that i like me and my wife were trying to be conscious of, of was just respecting what other people like right you know it's like a lot of i think friends that i had who were even vegetarians were like i think that's the kind of they got kind of like branded as like being snobby about it you know like about about pushing it and it's like like i don't go to my friend's house and if he's eating a burger i don't say you're disgusting you know it's like i respect it like and he respects me like he's like i i set a little side you know for uh your stuff so it doesn't hit my meat you know it's like we have a jaw it doesn't hit my meat huh you know but like just respect each other like you know like you know what i'm saying like, just respect each other's shit and it's, it's it's fine it'll get along you know yeah like, yeah 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 i mean i mo- i mean i was married to a carnivore and you know not married anymore but uh i just try to be by an example and if folks want to learn or you know are interested in why i'm doing what i'm doing then like great but i'm not trying to you know i'm not like oh you're not my friend because you eat meat no yeah 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 Yeah. my nephew wanted to go fishing and i was like you don't want to go fishing i was like (laughs) you're some big tough guy you're gonna put a hook in the corner of a fish's mouth and drag him around the fucking boat my nephew is the only one that i (laughs) had a strong arm (laughs) I'm like, all right, dude, you're fine. Like, uh, but he goes like this to me. He goes, oh, Rob, though, when you put it like that, I'm like, but that's the way it is. It's like, I'm not putting it like that. It's the way it is. And he's like, he's like, no, I see. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Like, you know, he, he understood it. You know, he, he saw where I was coming from. He's he's a small boy, but uh, it's funny. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I don't want to lose all your listeners here, but I just wanted to ask you about it because there's not a lot out there. And I heard you and uh, Alex Chamberlain chatting about it. So I wanted to just be like, hey, what's up with this? Yeah, Appreciate man. Sustainability. The story. Get that garden life going, you know? That's the best <laughs> garden life. That's the best life. Yeah, and trust me, I'm wearing off on Slack over here. Trust me. Slowly mm, but surely. I think if no, I can go it's back. Not, it's in, good. I do, I, go ahead. If I can go back in time and like, you know, um, I would become a farmer at a young age. I think that would be that, that I feel like that would have been my pet, like path to like bliss, you know, um, just, just even being outside, it, like, is just so uplifting. So if you can like, just spend every day, like making, you know, food for you and selling it, like, what a great, what a great life, you know, maybe it's not too late, you know, maybe it, this is my confession. <laughs> Where, where are you? Are you in Brooklyn? Are you in Jersey? Where are you at? I'm in Jersey. You're in Jersey? Well, I don't know. Is it is it kind of rural over there? It's um, it's getting pretty condensed, you know. But there's there's some there's some good spots for farms. There's some open farms, but it's pretty expensive out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I can't tell you to come out of California if you're worried about costs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, man, but yeah, I think that would I uh, I would have chose that. I would go back and become a farmer. But maybe I'll retire too in fantasy baseball. I'm just you know, I don't know if I got time for farming and fantasy. It's gonna be full days, you know. Yeah, it's just a, a bunch of, of old old retired fantasy players. You and me farming it up. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. You thought start start a whole we're gonna like recruit uh, Alex Chamberlain. We're gonna recruit yeah. Alex Chamberlain. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, you know Alex Summerlin. You know he wants to be a farmer. <laughs> oh man, this is this is gonna be great. Sure, we'll We're gonna get a, yeah, yep. Let's buy some land. We'll start our own fantasy compound every year. You know, we'll join the like the first pitch like uh crew and like people will come to our event you know yeah and they'll be yeah. like waiting for for all the new uh fantasy info and they'll just be like oh you gotta plant your corn in fucking you know in yep. october yep <laughs> we got it all we're like an idea factory right now you know that it's just it's just the whole night i mean they're probably there was ideas <laughs> people lose their life livelihood they lose their livelihood on nights like this <laughs> One bad decision, and it all goes sideways. <laughs> we bought this plot of land. They told us it was going to be. No. Oh, man. This is what happens. All right, when guys. Extend into the wee hours of the morning, and, uh, you know, Dude, we start talking about silly you're things. But it's good stuff. I really appreciate you guys hanging out for a long time. And, Brian, I just want to say nice mic work. You sounded fucking Thank you. clear. Thank you. Yeah, clear and concise. I just want to say you're a hero. We weren't fidgeting, that. you know? No, no. <laughs> a lot of prior fidgeting, but you, eased, you know, so it was good. You really eased into it, and I'm happy. I'm happy we did the extended. The the and yeah, this, this, you know, we did like basically like the bonus cut of a, of a DVD insert, like back when you used to get the Blu-ray, you know? Right, yeah. right. That right. used to be like my favorite. What, what was your favorite? What was your, yeah, what was your favorite? What was your favorite one of the, of the, of the bonus cut? Favorite bonus cut is going to be funny, but it's pretty random, but employee of the month. I love to play the month. I have not seen the bonus cut. Is it a a director's cut or bonus cut? Like, is the director talking about it? Bonus cut. No, no, it's just bonus cut. It's just, it's just like extra footage, extra footage. And, oh man, it's the, it's, it's the best. It's one, Mm -hmm. one, one with Andy Dick when he was um, uh, just, working at the eyeglass thing, you know, and he's just saying some random things about, he was falling asleep actually. And, and Dane Cook would say his name and he'd wake up and say something. And it was just a string of Cleopatra, like, you know, like random shit. He was just spurred out, but it was just funny. But what's his name? The dude from uh half-baked, he was, uh, the scene with him, he goes through this whole spiel. Uh, he mentions Del Monte peaches, um, I mean, that's all I really got to mention. Like he, he does a whole skit on like Del Monte peaches. It, it, it's, uh-huh. it's fantastic. All but right. Under, under the radar, under the radar. Um, I don't know. Probably other people are probably watching me like this kid is fucking doesn't know what he's talking about. This is not funny, but the time I was in my life, you know, it was funny to me. Yeah. That's it. Um, if you like director's cuts, uh, Boogie Nights. P.T. Anderson does a uh, director cut over Boogie Nights, and the commentary on that is uh, fantastic. And so when I, we were talking about bonus cuts, I was initially thinking about director's cut, but you were much more accurate with bonus cut. But uh, anyway, we get a chance. Yes, All director's right. cut. I really appreciate you okay. guys hanging out with me. It's uh, really Dude, special. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Thanks amen. Thanks for having us. I wish you guys continued success. Um, you know, I don't know if I mentioned it yet, but I'll say it again case people want to hear for the third time but i when when i started to navigate more of the nfbc site you know um just like looking around to see you know overall leaders and it's like oh like this is how you get to look at people's pages and you can see their history and it's it's uh you know it's cool to um grab you guys on the pod because since a long time i saw like 
how good you guys were in overall in your league, then it's impressive. So um, glad we got to tap into the minds of the dynamic duo for uh, what felt like half a day. Appreciate it, Rob. <laughs> yeah, man. You guys didn't have any part of words? The, you, you wanted a little and you got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. I got a lot. I feel it's like hold you over. I think it's going to hold you over for a good. Wow. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, we, I feel like we went on vacation for like three days and hung out at the bar and talked. <laughs> that's what it felt like, Honestly, you know, God, that just happened. Yeah. That's apologies, what really just happened. Apologies to everyone who has listened to this. <laughs> man, thanks oh, so man. much. Thanks so much, man. It was awesome. Yeah. Cheers. Yeah. All right. Good night guys. Alrighty, folks. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Pohitter Podcast. Um, this one was really, really awesome. Really felt personal. Um, got to know two really awesome dudes um, a lot better through this podcast. So, thanks for everyone for listening, for tuning in, for give readings and reviews. Love all of you guys and girls. And thanks for listening. And don't be a bag of shit. <laughs>